Hail, glorious listeners, you won't know this, but this is for the third time. <laughs> ben, welcome to episode 49, dude. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And how is your computer? Um, <laughs> words that can't be used on a PG podcast. <laughs> About as good as my counting of the number of episodes. So, um... <laughs> Good evening, guys. Thank you for joining us. So we are going to start by going on to the hobby desk. We'll be talking about Ben's Oryx. A couple of things I've painted. Yeah, he's off. Look, he's off. And the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be planning to be doing, going into the Galaxy of War. So Jane Zar has has been re-released in, quite frankly, a fabulous new model. And we want to have a chat about her uh, because we think she's really, really cool and... um, gonna go into that uh, also the big september faq for 40k has come out and the bandai action figure we've seen sort of a finished piece of that so it's time to chat about that moving into the age of sigmar i'm gonna talk about the cities of sigmar book and what we've seen and what we've heard so far from that and ben's gonna update us on the Oric war class so we'll say time for another it's war dude it's been war for years Wow. Wow. Oh, excellent. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, <laughs> we will also be discussing Beastgrave. The fourth warband um, has been announced, so we'll be having a chat about that into the community. And it's our usual shout outs of various things that we've seen on the internet. Um, talk a bit about our hobby group and um, any cool events we've seen that are coming up. And finally, journeying off to Middle-earth to talk a little bit about the scouring of the Shire again. Uh, and this time round, talking about the personalities. Uh, so the hobbits that took part, uh, a little bit of detail on them. There's quite a few named ones. So if you've got some interest in that, have a listen. Um, other than that, dude, I've got some refreshments. Ben's going to try and save the file this time. And we are going to see you on the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 49's hobby desk. And I'm afraid... When it comes to hobby, it's a bit sparse this fortnight. We've been on holiday. I've been housing, doing housey stuff. Uh, I think the show notes will mostly consist of like a gif of a tumbleweed. Perhaps, but we'll find stuff to talk about because we have done stuff. So um, as far as now is as good a time as any. Um, sorry if I've been a bit quiet, guys. Sorry if I haven't posted much, but... Um, I'm planning to move house and I've been getting the house ready to put on the market. Um, so I've been a bit busy doing that rather than hobby, which is unfortunate, but there we go. So Dan, on the other hand, has been on holiday just down the road from me. Yeah. So um, we had a holiday away and unlike previously, uh, I made the decision not to take any hobby with me other than a book for any little downtime and that was really because um i wanted to focus on spending some quality time with with not just with harriet but also with the kids as well because when i'm at work i don't get a lot of time to really spend particularly with hannah because she's obviously 
because she's breastfeeding, she's quite attached to, to, to Harriet. So I didn't want to be like trying to find time to do painting and stuff. I wanted to be really focused on them, um, which was great. Uh, I had a really good time, really enjoyed it. Did get to come and see you. Unfortunately, Wee. Harriet wasn't very well. And then Hannah wasn't well, and then I wasn't well. Boom. So Hannah, Harriet had a day in the caravan, and me and Joshua uh, just happened to go to the railway in Bodmin uh, next to Ben, or very near to Ben's house. Um, funny, of all the attractions in Cornwall, that that was the one chosen. So he did get to pop in. What's even funnier is that as a train fan and a Cornishman, you'd never been to the Bodmin and Wellingford Railway. I mean, I know. what is that about? I know, but I'm only, I'm like... um. I'm like a an expat Cornishman, aren't I? Because I like live far away. So yeah, yeah. Um, but so in amongst that, though, I I have done a little bit of hobby. Um, those of you eagerly awaiting an update for my um hobby pledge this month, I have in no way whatsoever got distracted by any cool new shinies at all. <laughs> or maybe I have. So um. Grand plans and all that. So the, the, the war shrine, which I talked about last time, took a little while to get done. And really, it didn't get much better from there. Um, <coughs> Aeronautica Imperialis came out and that wasn't even in the plan, which was a ridiculous show of my planning skills because I knew it was coming. Um, and so I just focused on Orky planes and I've been tinkering as well with those. I had quite a clear direction of how I wanted to start, but... Now I'm like trying out painting little check markings and all sorts on there, so they ain't finished yet. Um, and then I started work on my Titan, so my Reaver Titan, which was on the list for this oh, month. Yeah. Um, did a bit on him. Then I saw my troll out of the corner of my eye and was like, "Oh, I'm going to start him." So I started playing around with him, um, and then. Um, the weekend just gone, Beast Grave came out, which I absolutely knew that I wasn't going to be getting, so I bought that and uh, built the models. <laughs> built the models from that. Um, so yeah, I've, <clears throat> I've remained very focused on the task at hand. I'm hoping that by the time you guys are listening to this, I'll have painted at least the troll. Um, you, you've forgotten Ben Harthorn. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm, um, I'm going to end on a high if I actually did finish. I did finish Ben Halfhorn, um, Gore Halfhorn. So uh, Chris got me him. <coughs> I think for my birthday uh, in January. So <laughs> that's gone well. Um, but he's painted. I really enjoyed painting him. I tried some different things. So um, I went with white armor. I used a lot more contrast. Um, so a couple of things I picked up on from you, or certainly one in particular, was varnishing. So doing my contrast layer, then putting some varnish on, a matte varnish, which seemed to just tie it together a bit and give me a bit more of a view of what I needed to do. Um, <coughs> excuse me, guys. So went with a white armour for him. And then I did some things with transfers. So I've put, he's got like an inquisitorial symbol on one shoulder, and like, like a regiment number on the other shoulder. So I like the thought of kind of telling his backstory, like the idea that maybe he was seconded to a, uh, seconded to a, an inquisitor who's then gone on to Necromunda and the inquisitor's been slain. And actually now he's just this mutant dude that's essentially run off from his 
<clears throat> looks like he's just run off from, from his guard regiment, so he can't go back to the authorities, so he's going down into the underhive and just kicking butt and cutting stuff up. Um, so I like that idea. I thought that was quite cool. Uh, that is cool. I like that a lot. <clears throat> um, use the new Corax White for his armor. Really impressed by that's Corax White in a pot that's out now. Um, I, I that one completely passed me by, to be honest. So that came out along with the contrast because actually, mm. when contrast came out, it was obviously a big There's thing a about lot contrast, of paints. but there was a load yeah. of other paints. There was, so yeah. Corax White is so much better, in my opinion, a much better product than Ceramite White. So it is a slightly bluer white, but I have problems with Ceramite White splitting or becoming grainy. Um, yeah. I, I really, I've, <clears throat> I'm sure some people have had good experiences with it, but I have not. Despite, you know, buying a couple of pots just to give it a chance. Um, so yeah, really like that colour. It goes I on own, really well. I've only ever bought one pot of it. Um, and I've never bought it again because it's separated and because it's crummy. It, it really easily turns into paint crumbs. Um, but what I do use it for is if I absolutely want the tiny dot of white that I'm using to be really, really bright, mm. I have found that that works. So like with eyes and stuff like that. And yeah, but I, I completely agree. It's not a great product. No. So, so I'm, I'm quite happy to hear there's another base. But then I quite often start with um, Celestra or... Um, Rakath Flesh for my whites anyway. Yeah. Um, and then just talking a little bit more about experimenting. So the troll, I sprayed him Halford's Grey. And then using the airbrush, I... <coughs> I'm going to have to get some water in a minute. I sprayed up his like belly and his sort of... The bits I wanted to be lighter, I sprayed them up to white. You're sat there going, the bits I wanted to be lighter. I know. <laughs> if I'm you're juggling your norks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I put the Plague Bearer colour yep. over, and um, and obviously that graduation in colour has, has happened. Really quite pleased with that. Um, looks quite cool. I'm just moving on to the highlighting stages on the troll. So Try glazing to... something like Militarum into the I, deep Actually, it's, it's interesting you should say that. I, I did do a glaze. I did actually. I did a glaze of Fire Slayer flesh on the tummy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's worked quite nicely. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. about me. I think um, for this month, hobby wise. Awesome. Sounds like. Um... Actually, you got quite a lot done, really. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I've got some stuff done. Um, disappointingly, yeah. I've not started my Hobbit hole at all. I, I'm almost, to be honest. I'm now. I'm kind of looking at that, and I'm thinking I might just wait and get just do five all at once. Yeah. Um, because they're going to be make a load of mess anyway to do it. Yeah. So I might just do it that way. Um. So. Before we talk about what we're we're going to try and get done over the next couple of weeks, what uh, what sort of progress have you made with your Auric band? It's um, 
Where was I the last time we spoke? So I just started the Ard Boys, didn't I? So yeah, um, they're quite a long way along now. I've got them up to the point where they've all been base coated, and now I'm putting in the washes. And the problem is with the washes with my my Ard more with my iron jaws is that they're quite selective, so it's not an all over wash. It's washing some areas quite heavily, but then just picking out the cracks, the recesses, the rivets on the white armour. Um, and that's all done with Agrax Earthshade. And then going in and doing the green wash. Um, so that's taking quite a long time, actually. Mm. But once that's done, it's going to be about highlighting. And I know that that sounds like there's a lot to do. But actually, once I've got past the white highlighting, they're practically there. Yeah. Because there's not a great deal of skin on them because they're mostly wearing helmets. The red is quite specific and, and sort of small sections, so that doesn't take very long. The leathers, the browns, doesn't take all that long either. Um, so I'm quite excited about them, actually. They're quite close. What will take longer than I expect, because it always takes longer than I expect with my own jaws, is the basing. Mm. So when I... When I base the iron jaws, I very often completely remove them from their base, build the base, and then stick them on so they look like they're in their environment rather than sort of try and make the environment fit around them. Yeah. What that's led to, to happen is I've had the guts to stick things like a tree on a on a normal hard boy's base. Um, so I'm hoping that I'm the same. But last time I did it, I did 10, and this time there will be 25... But it has got me to thinking. So I did, I did the twenty-five, the extra five I just did because I had them kicking around, and I thought, why not? Um, but I, I have started to think I might get the. I can never remember his name because it's been such a long time since I played with him. But the Iron Jaws unit from Underworld. Oh yeah, the four one, um, and build another ten mana unit using them, and not have them as the Iron Jaws. That that kind of. Not use them as a hard boy unit rather than a as a oh yeah rather than using them as, yeah. as the personalities that they are yeah so I'm gonna I'm, by doing that I'll have the option to do both yeah if you see what I mean yeah. so um, and then that will give me for very little extra what unfortunately I should have done and probably thought about it when I was building them is done another command unit mm-hmm. so I need another standard bearer and drummer and I have been looking at them and working out whether or not I could bring myself to pull the arms off of them and and do that anyway. Not quite sure. Maybe. I'll think about it. Because um, that would mean I wouldn't need to build any more at all. And that would be great. Yes. Really. <laughs> yes, it would be good. Other than, the, obviously, the, other than the ones from Underworlds. And that would give me a whopping total of 40 Ard Boys as the core of the Iron Jaws army, which I think would be pucker. Yeah, that'd be good. Especially as they are all the new rules, like when it, <laughs> the little rules preview, which I won't, I won't get into too much, but I got so excited when it said, if you like charging forward and beating the snot out of people or words to that effect, I was like, yeah, this is still the army for me. <laughs> <laughs> no tactical uh, skill required. Run forward and hit them in the face. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're so, planning yeah. a game, aren't we? In um, a couple of weeks time. Hopefully, yeah, I'm hoping to have my Iron Jaws done by then. Yeah, um, 
that would be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so that'd be good. Um, yep, and, would be ace. Forward to that. I've um, <clears throat> given some thought to the the scenario, and I'm kind of thinking of having um, five or six sort of encampments with different bits and pieces of my force spread out across the table, and then your orcs turning up from randomly generated locations, but as if they're coming out of the mists. Um, because they got lost in like a blizzard or a snowstorm or mist or whatever. They were not lost. They were hunting you with great skill and determination. Absolutely, yeah. And I just yeah. love the idea of you having a command ability, um, which is basically your boss hollers so loudly that it means you can bring on like a mob within six inches of where he comes on automatically. I just thought that was very, very apt. That is cool. Um, yeah, that's great. So yeah, uh, and and mainly the main reason for that is your horde is going to be so big that getting it all on the table at once would be really hard. <laughs> it will be if you let me use all my green skins. Yeah. So I thought if they arrive bits bits and pieces, um, but then have my army spread out as well to try and counteract that, be a good way to be able to use as many as possible without the board just being a sea of green and no movement available. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> just one ginormous great big ruck. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the plan then really for the next couple of weeks for you is to to focus on that. Oh yeah, I'm I've I've been like I said, I've been working on the house. I've been laying a patio or stairs into the shed. So for the first time since I built the shed, now when I come to go into it, the you can't hear anything because the stairs don't move. So I fixed all <laughs> fixed all that. Um, it means that Joe can sneak up, sneak up on me now, which uh, is frustrating. Um, but um, and you had to sort of brave Shelob's lair. Oh my days! I found out where they were all coming from underneath the step, mate. Yeah, lifted it up, and it was like, oof! Get me my flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that, that, the plan. If if everything. If things go slowly and the house doesn't sell, then I'll have plenty of time. I just have to, I won't be able to leave my projects out. That's the problem I'm having. Yeah. You know, apart from out in the shed, but I, I, I had to dump everything. I had <laughs> one of those awful moments where you're collecting all the Warhammer from around the house, having tried to convince your wife for the last four years that there's not that much of it lying around. I don't know why you're whinging and realising that, yeah, there really is, and it's everywhere. (laughs) It now fills my shed surfaces. Um, So it took me quite a while to clear the table just to get the podcast going. So, um, But, I mean, hopefully I'll have time to do it. However, if the house does sell, then... You know, I'm going to really struggle. But yeah, but that—that's life. One of the things I'm—I have realised that I have to do with a sense of quite significant urgency now—is um, is do what you do and actively sort them out to go into storage as I'm building them. Mm. So putting the magnets on and getting the cases because I—I like the way you do your storage. I always have done. Um, I think we're in an era now, and we've discussed this so many times before, and actually it came up on our forum when we were talking about Jane Zarr, that um, models are so dynamic and delicate now that we've kind of gone past the foam case sort of era, I think. And I think the magnetic base on a in a magnetic case, which rhymes, 
um, Very good. is the way <laughs> is the way forward. I've I learnt my rhyming language at at, at, at university. God, at primary school. <laughs> no, I, it's been a long day. I think it's well worth doing. Um, and I, yeah, I just I don't think I've managed unless I've stuck my hand in the box and knocked something. I've bar- barely anything has broken since I've done it. Yeah. Do you know when you've got, you know, you've got something to do, but you've left it so long that actually it's become massive. A, massive. All my grots, all my space walls, all of my stormcast, my night horn, my chaos from Sigma, the old status kit. It is um, a lot. <laughs> I mean, a Titan Legion. Necromunda, Bloodbot, I could go on and on and on. There's so much to do. It could probably take me until October to to just do that, frankly. Mm. Yeah, big it is a big task. A big task. But it'll be worth doing. But worth doing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um well I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna tr- hopefully get the, the troll will be hopefully be done by pe- by the time people are listening to this. And then I'm not really sure. There's just too much awesome. There's so much stuff I want to paint right now. It's hard to know where to go with it. Um, if I'm honest, probably tr- should try and get the Titan finished because it'd be nice to have another Titan done. I think so. Um, yeah. What I have been doing is watching um, a lot of videos. Actually. Excellent. Catching up with. Um, with so the first the first one to watch is to kind of will tie us in nicely to the last podcast. So it, it was by um, Black Magic Craft. Okay. The uh, with the um, with the windmill. Oh yes, yeah. Absolutely loved that. In fact, I've watched that twice because I've got um, a lot of Necromunda scenery in MDF. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about how to sort of, how to go about it. So I sort of glued it together out the packet like I would, you know, you would do. Now I'm really glad I didn't paint it. Really, really glad I didn't paint it. Cause I'm going to be going back in, sticking pipes on, doing all sorts of stuff to just sort of level it up and then spray it. I've completely changed my whole, um, Outlook on MDF scenery by watching that video. What's cool is he he had never done a piece of MDF scenery before, mm. so he was approaching it from a how do I do this? How, you know, how can I make this fit in with my scenery collection and not look like a piece of MDF scenery? Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. I've been catching up with um, Darren Latham's videos because he's he's doing them so blooming quickly that I miss them and end up having to sit down and catch them up, um, and. Tommy Sewell's been doing um, several videos on um, on uh, like uh, myths about painting, which I quite like listening to him sort of pontificate on that kind of stuff. So I've been catching up with those two, and um, um, Mini Arkle. Oh yeah, yeah. Always enjoy watching Mini Arkle, mainly because it's heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I because I, you know when you're sort of sitting there, with thinking, oh, I wish I'd got some models out and started painting, but you, you're either too tired or you know, then I just I kind of end up on YouTube watching painting videos. Then <laughs> good, good, yeah, there's some great stuff out there, though. 
very inspirational. Cool. Well, it's, we knew it would be a slightly shorter hobby desk this time because um, we, it has been harder to get stuff done. But, um, yeah, hopefully, moving forward a bit, either a lot more will get done or, or nothing at all, depending on how your house goes. <laughs> so, um, with that in mind, then, let's move into the Galaxy of War. Okay, welcome to the grim darkness of the far future, where the webway is where it's all going on. And Ben has found root beer. I have found root beer. It's my first ever root beer. And do you know what? Do you know where it's from? The Psychic Awakening? No, Bundaberg in Australia. Really? Cheers down under, guys. Wow, there's some good air miles on that one. I know. (laughs) It tastes a bit licorice-y. I've never had root beer before. I've picked it up in about a thousand role-playing games, but never, <laughs> <laughs> but never had it. So, well, there you go. Your next role-playing experience will be uh, that much more interesting. Not yep. dissimilar to that concept you had uh, a few episodes ago of 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 the smelly models, like smell of vision. Yeah. Anyway, interactive wargaming. That's where it's at. It's the future. That, oh my goodness! Yeah. Heard it here first. It's all right until like. The beheadings start, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, talking of which, we wanted to cover off a few things. So, shall we start with a discussion about the absolutely fabulous Jane's R miniature? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I guess we probably should discuss a bit of the sort of background behind why she's appeared. Um, and that is Psychic Awakening. So, we've we've had a chat about this previously. But we're gradually finding out a bit more. So there's a website um, for Psychic Awakening with an interactive map. Did you know? I love interactive maps. I'm a right sucker for them. Yeah, it's really good, actually. It's funny because, you know, you, there's so much going on at the moment that you miss things. And I've only recently looked at that map. Um, yeah. By recently, about five minutes ago. So, yeah. um, it, <laughs> but it is really cool and it gives you a bit of background and another video has come out today where the Eldar are reaching out and communicating with the Ordo Xenos Inquisitor um, from the previous videos. We've got part three of the prophecy uh, and it's all centering again around um, the, is it Inari? Um, yeah. And Enid, the, um, the God of the Dead. Um, really interesting. The last prophecy talks about the hope of the um, Inari is like a, a single diamond on on a black silk sheet. It's like a tiny speck of chance. Um, but what do you do about it? Because if they are right, there's only one way to find out. It's a great conundrum, isn't it? I mean, the the elder I've been looking for a way out for as long as I've been collecting. You know, their, their souls are basically being kept in stasis until they can defeat Slanesh, which, without Sigma, isn't going to happen, you know? So. <laughs> you sorry. and Sigma, you're, you're obsessed a boss. with Sigma coming He's into the 40k. Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's not going to happen. He's so the boss. He, he, he's kind of stuck in this place where they've been just sort of counting down the clock, um, and hoping that, you know, there'll be an outcome, but, 
It's a bit like that area of the, you know, 40k of the uh, Imperial Inquisition, which like absolutely believe and are probably right that, you know, the best thing for the Emperor is to just shoot him in the head. Yeah. Because he will be reborn because he's been reborn countless times before and he'll probably be more powerful when he is reborn. But can people wait for him to be reborn and, um, grow into an adult and come back because the world, the whole, the whole galaxy could literally go to, to crap in the space of however long that is. Um, so it's, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? But with this one, it, it's, it's that, it's that single diamond on a black, on a black, you know, clock. I, I think that's an excellent analogy. I really like reading that. And, and clearly it's what, what I've liked about it is they've progressed it because before, you know, there was a bit of scepticism from most people, but largely the Eldar and the Drakarii, is that how they're pronounced now? Uh, Dark Eldar. Yeah. <laughs> they, they kind of largely accepted them, didn't they? You know, there's a new god, he's clearly there, you know, you're clearly doing stuff and you can't deny that you've got power. So they were just kind of happy to let it happen. But now it seems like there's a sort of, it's created a bit of a division, a bit like a civil war, a bit of a, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting because it's a, it's a civil war. It's like an extra level of civil war within yeah. the within the craft worlds. Um, it's um it's Drakari. Drakari. It's Drakari, uh, Eldari, Yunari, and Harlequinari. I, so Eldar, Harlequins, Dark Eldar. I, I made up Harlequinari. Harlequinari. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I just want the Eldar to sort their crap out and start like getting in the fight. Well, I think what's really cool, um, what I like about the Eldar stuff is Eldar were my, I suppose my first army where I was like, right, I am collecting an army. So I... I started out with the five space marines from the How to Paint box. Then I got Dark Elder. I remember getting the Battle Force, spraying them black and painting bits silver. And I thought they were ace. And I just they were kind of, ace. They were ace. And I just had a few models from here and there. But then the Eldar, and it, this was, I remember waiting until the the current Guardian models came out um, in the box of 16. Rather than the monopose yeah. left lunging guys. Yeah, so um, for me, Eldar are a little bit special. They were also yeah. in one of the first White Dwarfs that I saw. I didn't. It yeah. wasn't the first one I bought. Issue 219 had um, the Eldar of Biltan taking on the Blood Angels in a second edition game. And I distinctly remember that the the hover tank, the, the Falcon and the Fire Prism were hulled down behind the trees and they were like flying up in the air and firing and then sinking back down again because um, they used to be able to do that. Interestingly, the fire prison model is not the fire prison model. Sorry, the Falcon model is the same. Same model. one. Yeah, it hasn't changed um, in such a long time. It's really fascinating, actually, because Tom bought three dreadnoughts uh, and he picked them up today from me and um, we opened them and it, the sprues, the sprues are so funny because it's all so spread out. It's just totally different. Um, so that's really interesting. But anyway, so Eldar are particularly special. So it's really nice to see them coming back and getting 
a revisit. Um, we've obviously seen that we're going to get plastic howling banshees, and to go with that now, a plastic phoenix lord. Um, so Jane's are so interesting miniature, and, and I suppose when you do something so iconic, it's likely to be even more divisive than normal. But surprisingly so in some ways with Jane's are because she's she's really nice, but people there's been a, it's been quite a not not a, not a, not a solely positive response to her. Um, I don't get it either. I mean, I know I'm a fanboy, and I largely like model wise everything that Games Workshop produces. I mean, I have some issues with some of the things that come out of them, but. It's never, never really the mi- the miniatures, um, and sh- she has all the hallmarks of the old Jane Zar model, but just better. Mm. And I don't really, I mean, some some of the things that people are saying, I can understand that it's not aesthetically what they were wanting. But I guess, I guess you've actually hit the nail on the head that people have been waiting for such a long time that it was it was always going to be a loaded topic really but i really like her seeing as an outsider who doesn't play elder and i think i i also like the fact that she's a bit meatier because you know warriors aren't you know tiny wasted leafs and i don't think even eldari would eldar eldari would be i don't know elves are supposed to be elves and eldari are supposed to be very slight I yeah, think, but I think what's interesting. She's not exactly a beefcake, is she? And she's no, she's not, no bigger than her previous model. Again, and this is often the case. I myself think that from the very, the initial picture, I I thought she looked a bit a bit stockier than I'd expect, but without seeing the miniature, because the other thing is that is huge on the screen. Compared yeah. to what you're actually going to have in your hand, isn't it? Yeah. That's the other element to consider. Um, so, but the pose is fantastic. It, it harkens back to the original miniature, the hair, the, the different weapons. You know, it, it really is an excellent piece. Really, really good. It, I, my only reservation about the model is, um, is that. She's going to be a bugger to transport, and it's just and easy to break. Um, but then I've said that about a lot of the recent stuff. That, that just become... brings us back to the what we were discussing about the way things are transported, and um... I can't see myself using a foam case. No, for a long for forever, really. I mean, no, because ultimately, point where I can't. Yeah. well, the, the other the issue. An added issue now with the phone case is where once before, I remember when the um, the wavy phone, the current phone, came out, and there was this big thing about, oh, you can you can get a two thousand point Space Marine army in this tiny case, um, and it was all jammed in and all. But the the trouble is now you can't jam models in because of the build. No, so you could no. put them in there, but you'd have like. You'd have like Jane's are <laughs> probably very few other people in one tray hmm. just to make sure she didn't get damaged. Yeah. Um, so no, I think, well, you know, for me, magnetizing and, and really useful boxes is the way forward. Um, 
I'm about to do that with a lot of my um with a lot of my models. So what I was going to do, guys, is do a video on how we go about doing that. Good. Just so because because ah. we talk a lot about it, um, I thought it'd be worth worth us doing a video on it because I think um, well, I think it's I think it's a way forward personally. Mm. And then, of course, so we've got Jane's ass counterpart today has come out. Well, I say her counterpart. He, he, supposedly the fallen Phoenix Lord, perhaps. So Drazar has got a new model today. Oh, my days. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's such it, it, a good model. Even Joe said that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. It just well, reeks evil, kind of sinister, stalking energy, doesn't it? It's it just does. fantastic. And... um. 19 years, I think, it's been since he had a model. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier. I, I'm sure it's about 19 years. So he looks great. So Ben and I were discussing his background. So sure, many of you will be familiar, but for those that aren't. So um, it is rumoured, it's not known, but it is rumoured that he is the fallen Phoenix Lord. So the Phoenix Lords are the... Um, is it, what? How would you say? Is it primogenitors? Archetypes, I would say. Archetypes. They they began each of oh, the temples. Primogenitors, then, yeah. Yeah, primogenitors yeah. of each of the temples. So um, they were the first of their kind. So, but Karandras, who is the who is the striking scorpion phoenix lord, he is not the first. Um, there was another one. Uh, I can't pronounce it. I'm I'm sorry. It's R or something like that. It's A R H A M. I think. Um, he was the first, and um, he fell and turned against the teachings, and off he went into the webway. And the rumours are that Drazar is he, is him. Um, basically, Drazar rocked up at the um, Temple of Incubi, went in, just decapitated the, the leader of all the Incubi at the time, and was like, right, well, that's enough of that, and then started kicking butt. Um, so we're going to get plastic <laughs> incubi as well. Um, I've got some old metal incubi in Drakkar or whatever he's called. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember them being amazing way back. Well, he's then. kind of running forward, like with his two knives, isn't he? Yes, that's right. He looks yeah. a bit like a praying mantis. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not Games Workshop's finest model, I'd say. Not, no, not, but... never, never, never was a fan. Although I did love the incubi. Yeah. Loved them. Particularly the ones with cloaks. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Those came on um the uh Oh Azrabel Becht on his model, didn't it? Yeah. 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 So um yeah, so plastic incubi as well. So really exciting time if you're Eldar. Um looks like it's all gonna kick off. And that's just the first of the psychic awakening stuff, so lots of excitement to be going on with and reasons I was talking to Tom just just now, um, just before we started recording, about how it's just so frustrating because, but but amazing that there are so many great things coming. Because we were actually talking about Age Sigma, but uh, you know, I said to him, I'd, I'd like to do another army, a different play style, something else. But every time I go to do it, there's something that's still awesome for. The army I've got that I'd like to add that I don't have. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, to move that to 40k, I look at those Eldar and I think, oh, I'd love to do Dark Eldar, like revisit it. But then it's only in the hobby desk section. 
I was talking about not hobby desk community section, which we haven't done yet. <laughs> but we have. I was talking about doing test color schemes for ultramarines. Yeah. And then I go back and I look at my chaos and and the list of units. And I've been collecting chaos for a while now that I don't have for my corn is longer than the list of units I do have. Um. Yeah. So very difficult to know where to go. Um. But what you could do is buy an already painted eight inch tall action figure of a space marine. Nice segue, love it. Hey, that's <laughs> hey, good, isn't it? That's good, yeah. So yeah. you're the um the space marine man. Um that I that love it. You, I need uh, ten. Re- I'm gonna have ten and they're all gonna be they're gonna squad. Yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. I, I think Oh it depends it, on the price, of course, but it, I mean Does it <laughs> My five intercessors come in fires. I can deal with five. Guard in my house. Like I'm gonna have them s- stationed around the house. I wonder if they'll do like weapons and stuff. Oh, it's just they're amazing. They're so. It's. I I'm really impressed. I I'm really impressed because he's you can articulate it and stuff, can't you? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, which I think is very clever, and it speaks a lot of the Primaris miniature design versus the uh, that he can Astartes be made one. Human, he can be made yeah. humanish, yeah. Um, so I think that is excellent. Um, I'm still, I still, I'm still a little bit like jaded by the lack of knowledge of the Bandai representative who was at Warhammer Fest. Um, and I'd kind of completely gone off the whole idea until I saw those colour pictures, and I was like, nah, I'm getting one. That's <laughs> done. Deal is sold. Yeah, it's very nice. It's kind of weird, though, seeing a Space Marine painted in flat colour. Yeah, that's essentially what they would look like if they were bigger, though. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, I know I know that. Yeah. But, it, but Well, yeah, but then they wouldn't because of the way the shadows and light would fall on them. Be put him in a shadowy room. Yeah, okay, put them in the dark and then you won't know. <laughs> Shine a light on him. Ooh, I bet someone will drill out his head and put like light up eyes. Yeah, and a little kind of voice activated um, like motion sensor or motion That's sensor. That's what he like... needs, like, like a woody toy, but like a space marine. Yeah. Die in the name of the emperor. Hope is the first step on the road to disappointment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it in your kids' room and they'll come out like nihilists. <laughs> that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so he's very cool. We don't have any idea on price, but apparently going to be available to pre-order from this weekend. Really? Hmm. I'm thinking probably 25 quid. Yeah. Yeah, eight, something like 18 to 25 quid. I'd be surprised if it's over 25. But oh, I wouldn't. I to be honest, I I've been fairly okay with price points recently and then this Warhammer 40k rules book has I was going to say we have to talk about that because it's just bonkers, isn't it? I don't understand. And I normally like as listeners will know, like Ben, I am also quite a fanboy. And if it, if they if they slapped Citadel on pretty much toilet anything, roll, on toilet roll, <laughs> I would buy it for double the price just because. But yeah. I don't get it. I do, I might be wrong. And, and so let's uh, before before we go on around about it, hang let's on. talk about the actual product. Yeah, well, I know that's where I'm going. That's okay. where I'm going. Right. I'm saying 
I might be wrong, but my understanding of the product is oh, okay. that it's crazily overpriced. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, my understanding of the product is that it's the rules elements of the 40k rulebook. Yeah, and um, basically some of the stuff from Chapter Proof. Well, but is it? And that's what I couldn't get because the rulebook has a lot of stuff in it now, like the the cities of death and the planet strike and all of that. So that's all come from the rulebook. And I was reading through it. So to to put it in context, Age of Sigma they've just bought out at the same time a a battles book, which is all of the stuff you'd need just to play, um, and it. It's like a compendium, and it's got 20... It's got all of the matched play uh, battle plans in it. And it's, the rules. And the rules. It's got, yeah, it's got the rules in it. it it's it got things from the different realms in it. So it, it kind of collates the rules from across a number of areas. It's £20, and it's softback, and it's A5. Okay? The 40k one, from what I can understand, there's... I can't see by reading the website what additional content there is outside of the standard rulebook it's a5 it's i think it is hardback and it's 30 pounds but the main rulebook is only 35 pounds yeah i don't understand it at all no no I, don't, I i cannot i cannot understand it at all i i mean i probably i probably was i was going to get the age of sigma one because because the, those yes. realm rules and the you know the match play stuff it, it is all over the place a little bit, particularly the realm rules and having it all there in one place. I thought, well, that's a fantastic idea because I can have that book, and I can have my, you know, war scrolls, and I'm done. Essentially, no, I, th- I thought that's a great idea, but, but this, no, I cannot see a reason why I would buy it. No, and I th- so I was looking specifically to see if maybe it bought the. Um scenarios from chapter approved in like the sigma one brings in the other ones but it doesn't it doesn't do that um even so- if you take like basically you've got the same content in a smaller version with half the number of pages for 5 quid less yeah it, it i cannot and you don't get the background so I don't really understand it, and I, I, I want. I think. Well, I mean, ultimately, the sales will tell, and and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not the be all and end all, but I, I think they may have been better served to go for a softback and make it twenty pounds, because actually, that, as I understand it, the the target audience it's is the place. gamer that yeah. just. You know, that's playing. They're less like, less likely, not definitely not going to be, but they're less likely going to be collecting the books for on the shelf than, than, um, than not. So I think it, it's, it's always interesting because price is, is often a hot topic on the internet, at least around Games Workshop products. And, and by and large, I and yourself are both people that, but get it, we kind of get that the product, the hobby is an expensive hobby, it's a luxury product, there's an awful lot that goes into delivering to your table that miniature, whether that plastic is worth pennies or not, the, the stuff yeah. behind it, the added value, we get all of that, and it's and very, an very book. rare. 
Yeah, and the army All rules, book. yeah. But All when rules. you're re- repackaging something that's already done... Yeah, I just... It's very rare for us not to... Get it. To get it. But this is a definite... I just was top, properly like... Huh? We can revisit it once it's out, and we can find someone who's bought it, and... Yeah, and it would be interesting if somebody has bought it or totally disagrees. Um, Please let based, us know. Based on having had it in their hands. Um, which is always helpful. Which is always <laughs> helpful because, you know, we, we do recognise that we're, you know, we haven't seen it. Then it would be good to know. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's that one. And uh, I think the last point that we want, or the last thing we wanted to cover off um, was that the big FAQ has now gone live. Um, now, I've not had an in-depth look, and as we've said many times, we aren't the place for in-depth looks. This is more of a, how do you view the hobby when you're trying to balance life and an absolute, definite, intrinsic need to experience every Games Workshop thing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's how we cover it. So, um, but having a flip through, dude, I it, it there's no no new beta rules from this one um but it has enshrined all the previous beta rules um into into the rules i say all um it looked like all to me um Mm. so bolter discipline is now a 40k rule um which i know is quite a popular one i like it because it's base (laughs) marini it just is isn't it it's cool um prepared positions was one that i hadn't really been aware of um have you heard of that one yeah but i can't remember what it is i do remember people basically unless you're titanic if you're if you're going second in the first battle round uh, any of your units other than titanic or aircraft can count as being in cover for two cps so that's quite good tactical restraint is around the that was the one about the command points so you can't gain or refund more than one um there is some very specific exceptions but the, the rule covers that and then tactical that one reserves. for me was so needed the moment i heard of that one because the, the 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 games that have really i have not found enjoyable to play have been match play games against people who can conjure command points out of their bottoms and they can use them without <laughs> using them and they're just generating so many and you know they're using about 52 different strategies well not 52 i'm over exaggerating but so many stratagems and you then you're like over exaggerate no yeah. never <laughs> and then you're trying to work out which one of the two stratagems could i possibly use to you know it's like and they're just going through them like ah oh, really frustrated me that rule tactical reserve um, restraint I thought was really needed, so I'm glad to see that's rock solid now. That's a definite one. Um, and the last one is the the tactical reserves, um, which is where um, you can only hold back half your army in reserve. And um, that should say unless your space marines come in and drop pods. Just for the record, you know, saying. But I, I think isn't that the case? Don't know drop pods. I don't know. Um, but, I just get in a strop every time I read the word drop pods because I can't put my Primaris in them. So yeah, nobody nobody knows that about us, do they? 
Mm. Maybe that's why our followers keep going up and down, because we go up and then by the fifth time they've heard about drop pods not holding Primaris, they're like, oh, I've had enough of this. <laughs> but to be fair, I'd rather one person listened and we just told it as it is. <laughs> it's flipping ridiculous. <laughs> I like the idea of modelling one and have it put it on the table and the doors open and there's just a load of Primaris like rammed in there like arms and legs all out of funny angles and stuff. You're like, damn it, Wait. we are going in this transport. <laughs> so anyway, um, other updates, uh, I've had a look through the Chaos Space Marine one, as you'd imagine, uh, and, and the Space Wolf one. So, Chaos Space Marines and Space Wolves have both now got, and we knew this would be the case anyway, but they've got the Shock Assault has been put in, um, which, which is cool. Uh, auto Bolt Rifles, I mean, you, you may know better than me, but they're, I don't know if this is a, a thing that's happened to all of them, but they're Assault 3. I don't yeah. know what they were before, but it's updated all of that. Um, Mastercrafted Stalker Bolt Rifle. So I think this must be bringing in stuff that's come out in the Space Marine Codex for your Space Wolves. So that's sort of damage yeah. three. Yeah. Um, that's Intercessors Change Galaxies 2. Gravi- Wolf Lord in Gravis Armour has got seven wounds now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look. Match play. So this is drop pod, and it says this model and any units embarked upon it are exempt from tactical reserves match play rule. Yeah. Well, However, yeah. if they haven't arrived by the end of the third battle round, they count as being destroyed. Like it. Aggressors have all gone up to wounds characteristics of three. It's yeah. quite good, actually. It's a good way of seeing what changes happened in the codex. Reading this. Um... Oh my goodness! Well, I'm not even going to tell you that one. Um, oh, go on. No, it's just the one about. I think you know about it anyway. Aggressors can shoot twice when they Overwatch. What? That is madness. Especially if they had flame gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Just don't bother. There is absolutely no point unless you are trying to give away points. <laughs> is there really? No. Um, yeah, so I don't think I don't think there's anything else particularly in there. Obviously, for your own, you know, people will want to look through for their own own um, armies. So yeah, so quite a lot going on for forty k. Um, I feel like we're on the precipice of like a massive thing. I can see there being whole new armies coming out very soon. Tom said, wouldn't it be ace if they uh, announced that next year we were going to get squats or something like that? Yeah. With, um, well, I can't even what he said that he thought they'd have, but I wanted a land train. Just want a land train. I genuinely don't think you're going to see squats. I think squats have been resigned to Blackstone Fortress, Necromunda, those kind of environments. And rightly so, because I think the background that their planet was destroyed is set in stone and... Having an army of them doesn't make sense, but they're still going to be around because um, they're spread all over the galaxy. So but I like that approach. Train. Yeah, I like trains. I know you like trains. Um, you mentioned Blackstone Fortress, and that's reminded me that we are getting a box set of the evil dudes from the first, the main Blackstone Fortress game. 
um, and a box set of the cultists from the Escalation expansion. Um, so that's quite good if you want to add those things in to your army. Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, it is what it is. The um, the one from the first one is, I think I was counting it up, and I think it's only got eight guardsmen in, um, which is a shame because it's not a whole squad, but hey ho. Not to worry. Uh, it has got some beastmen. It's got spindle drones. It's obviously just a, a snip of the sprue. So I don't know what you'd be doing with spindle drones. Well, it's because the upgrade for it is that the enemies are harder. So mm. there are more of them. More of them to slay! There we go. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> good. So, as normal, a very in-depth and uh, well-thought-through review of what's going on in 40k. Um, I've talked a lot, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, although, what is good is in the Age of Sigmar section, you've got a bookload of notes. I do, um, yeah. And I've got a wing and also a prayer um, <laughs> that I'm going to take to it. So, um, with that in mind, good sir... I think it's time to grab some more refreshments, although I did just eat the massivest piece of cake. Bloody lovely it was. Right. So we go into uh, the mortal realms. Let's do it. Wah! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, mighty listeners. It's uh, time for the Mortal Realms and Orcs. You do look a bit like orcs. you're from the Realm of Beasts, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. Love it. A little bit. A little bit like Hagrid, a little bit like a beast. A hairy old fart. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Who's? do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Well, gonna... I think if you go first, it gives me more chance to try and think of something to say. All right, I've got a bow as well. Right, so, um, firstly, disclaimer, I've never played Bone Splitters before. I've done my best with Bone Splitters, um, but I haven't, I haven't, well, I've never played them. I only just picked up the codex yesterday, so I'll do my best with them. But Iron Jaws, I can do the hell out of Iron Jaws. So, <laughs> are you ready? So, as best as I can see it, I haven't had the book, so this has been, um, from, um, wherever I can drag information from, but the book is effectively three different armies. Um, so rather than like the same army with different traits that you can sort of use using keywords and uh, command abilities and generals, etc., it is three distinct armies. So army number one is Bone Splitters, and they can ally with Iron Jaws and Gloom Spite Gits. Army number two is Iron Jaws, and they can ally with a Bone Splitters and the Gloom Spike Gits. And army number three, which is a new one, is called the Great War, which is all Oryx. Anything with the Oryx keyword. Um, and they can also ally with the Gloom Spike Gits. So, where should we start with this lot? So, a lot of things have stayed the same. Um, and there's a lot of really key differences. So, the things that have stayed the same... Um, command traits wise, as the plus one to charge, um, and the, the one where you, if you kill a unit in combat, then another unit that hasn't fought can immediately fight that one. So you can sort of roll down the battle line. 
What has changed and has caused a bit of a stir as to some people are not sure whether it's better, some people think it might be worse, is the wire. And I've had to break this right down for it to make sense, really. Um, so the wire used to be an ability that uh, mega bosses and mega bosses on um, the cabbage had, right? And they yeah. could use it in their hero phase, um, and they would declare it in their hero phase, and then it would activate in their combat phase. So there was an element of risk. There was always an element of risk that you things would have changed by the combat phase, and you wouldn't have been able to pull off what you were trying to do. All right. Yeah. Um, in a sense, what it counted was if you counted up all the or, uh, Iron Jaws units within ten, if you're a Mega Boss, or fifteen if you're a Maw Crusher, um, and if it was, and then you rolled a dice, and if it was equal to or less than the number of units within those distances, you pulled off a wire. And if there was at least six units, and you rolled a six, you you pulled off like a a, a Mega Wire, uh, and basically you get plus one um, to hit. Um, or plus two to hit if you were uh, uh, plus one attack, sorry, or plus two attacks if you rolled the six. So it was a bit of a risk element. There was dice roll involved. Um, you had to declare it in the hero phase, and things can change a lot. But by the time you get to your combat phase, um, and it was stuck on the, the war scrolls, they've moved that out of the war scrolls and stuck it as a command ability now. Um, and it is declared in any combat phase. Right, and that's, that's really important because that means you can use it in your enemy's combat phase yeah. as well. So you can use it defensively, which is really, really useful. Changes the whole dynamic of how you can play Iron Jaws, I think, because it means that if you if you fail to get off that one trick pony, you can still now use it if someone manages to charge you in the first turn. Yeah, which I think is I think that's excellent. Um, it's different, so the it's now. Just one range, anyone that's wholly within 18, which is about the same as units that are within 15, you know, roughly, isn't it? So, and you roll a dice, add the number of units, and if it's 12 or higher, you get plus two attacks. Otherwise, you get plus one anyway. So there's much more of a guarantee. There's, you know, before you could not get anything. Now it's much more of a guarantee. Is is there, yeah. The drawback is you can only use it once per game. Ah, uh, I was just going to say, is there like the general gets a horse throat from hollering wah or anything like that? <laughs> no, it's once per game. But actually, the more I think about it, um, I only ever used it once per game anyway, really. Yeah. So, so you know, you know, Oryx are quite a, a kind of a three turn kind of army. You either have crushed everything in sight or died by turn three. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um I'm I'm really happy with it actually. I think it's a um I think it's 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 streamlined. I think it's more versatile. Um I think it's less of a risk. So I think I'm I think it's a big improvement really. Um So on to, moving on to command traits. Um the new command traits there's three new command traits for the weird, weird knob shaman. Basically, he's become more of a, a viable alternative as a general mm-hmm. um, compared to what he used to. Mega boss has largely got similar things to what um, they had before. Um, Ironclad is like a, a obvious one. I think the plus one save, bringing his save down to two plus, is quite an obvious one. But I really like 
um, once per battle round, you can use the command ability, um, and you've got different ones. So one of them gives you inspiring presence every battle round, and one of them gives you mighty destroyers every battle round. Um, that's really good. That's a free command point every turn, effectively. There's a lot more of that appearing in Age of Sigmar, which is interesting considering we've just discussed how the FAQ in 40k curtailed the abilities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because there's it's actually the Dan was talking about it because there's something in his army now that's going to be able to do something similar. Uh, and also, there's one of the terrain rules in the updated terrain rules where you've got the extra um, extra six pieces of terrain. One of those can allow you to generate more as well. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, so I suppose it's worth me reading out what Mighty Destroyers is. So, um, so Mighty Destroyers effectively is is the one where um, you get to roll a dice. Um, and if you're successful, the, the selected, a, a selected move, unit can move, um, make a, make a movement, you know, make a normal move. Um, so you get to do that every turn. You can really start to, um, for free, you can really start to make a difference, um, really mobilize your army. Um, so I really like that. Artifacts have largely, st- largely stayed the same. What I really like is now mounts get a trait. <laughs> um, so the uh, battle cabbage can have plus one wound, plus one damage, or plus two move. Effectively, there's a few others as well. Um, I'm really excited about that because there's been some there, there has been some sort of nerfing done on, on the battle cabbage. So for um, you know, you yeah. take the right one of these, and you can basically offset that completely. I mean, the plus plus one damage is <laughs> is just preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> for a more crusher. Um one of my favourite changes is war chanters. So war chanters now act like a more like a priest rather than just giving that yeah. um plus one I think it's plus one to hit before. Um they they've got a number of different abilities that they can choose to use for free and give them to the units around them or our unit around them. So you've got the plus one to hit. I think there's an, an improved charge um, and there's one that heals the unit. Um, so I got really excited about that yesterday. Decided I need more, and I converted an alternative yeah. to the you know the one with his arms above his head. So I, I cut cut him up, used a bit of the brutes bits, and made one that looks like different. I think he looks ace, mate. When you sent me the picture, I thought he might have. <laughs> it was only because he's like partly undercoated and stuff that I realised. But I knew it was one you'd cut up. I thought it was like an alternate sculpt. It looks great. Yeah, I, I'm gonna gonna mix the, the other the third one. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get the um uh the bone splitters savage orc war boss, the one that's running, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna give him the two skull things and put some armor plates on him uh, and and turn him into a running version. So yeah. Um, I, that will give me three different three different versions to use. I, I think that's I think that would be cool. I'm really happy with that, um, yeah. and I'm really happy with how they act now. This it just feels like there's more depth to the rules, less like a one trip pony. Um, I'm going to come on to something I'm really sad about now, dude. They got rid of the foot of Gork. 
Well, gone completely. Yeah. There's nothing called the foot of no. cork. No. All of the lists I've seen of the new spells have got rid of it. All of the others look good, better, I think, um, than they did before. And if you take... I think it's one of the command traits or one of the things to do with the weird knob shaman, then he can vomit, do the green vomit, and a spell every turn, which basically increases his power to a level 2 wizard, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so, you know, going to see more of that. Um, battalions is next. Um, oh no, let's do the big wire. So, they're kind of the command traits for the Iron Jaws. The Bone Splitters, I can't really tell you what's different, to be honest. I, I, I didn't have the knowledge when I was going through it yesterday to make a decent comparison. So, um, I don't, I've looked at some of the War Scrolls and I'll talk about the differences of them in a second. But the Big War essentially works a little bit like the Nurgle rules or the tithe points or the blood, blood points that you have. You build them up and the more you build them up, the war gets rules from either the bone splitters or the iron jaws. So they kind of gather those rules up. You can use the war points to make your spells more able to cast. Um, or you can keep. Hey, that's cool. I like that. Or you can build them right up to 24 war points. Um, and then you get, uh, you can unleash the mighty war, um, which is, um, basically the, the war that you would get if you were, you know, iron jaw that once per term. Uh, once per game one. So theoretically, with the the big war, you could have multiple wars in a game if you manage your points correctly. Once you've used the war, you roll a dice. On a one, you lose all of your war points. On a two to five, you lose half. And on a six, you keep them all. So on a six, you could theoretically do a, a mighty war two turns yeah. in a row if you're really lucky. Um, you get war points for certain models that are in the table, so like Mega Boss and that kind of stuff, and Shamans, yeah. and you get um, war points for being close to the enemy. So you could yeah. get right stuck in, um, generate a whole bunch of war points. I reckon you'd be aiming to get that for turn two. I think I think you're probably going to get that turn two, and then if you're lucky, you can roll that on for a couple of turns. So the the longer the grind goes, the more <laughs> aggro they're going to give you. Essentially, I love that. I think that that captures orcs and goblins really, really well. I do. I think it's that great. It's brilliant because the war energy is something that's been in the background for a long time, and and it's always sort of been there, particularly around the spellcasters. Yeah. I I think that is absolutely superb. I think it's really interesting that there's a mechanic for what happens when they use the points yeah. because. I might, again, I may be wrong, but I don't, I'm not sure if we've seen anything like that yet. Most, because the summoning points thing, well, it's all started with a blood type table. Yeah. Uh, right in back, in, way, way back, back when. <laughs> and that, yeah, when you, when you use them, it doesn't matter whether you use one or eight, you lose all of them. Um, then, obviously, we started to see more summoning, uh, and it's like appeared all over the place. Mm. But I think that's the first time we've seen a rule where you can potentially keep all your points or or only lose half of them. So whether that's something we might see more of, who knows. But I do think it's very cool. Um, I also think it's cool because ultimately, 
in general, once orcs build themselves up into a frenzy, either they kill everything and the battle ends, or they die. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They don't just let it all out and then it, and then go back to being normal no. in the yeah. game, do they? Um, so no, I I think I think that is excellent. I do think though it would be cool if once your magic, once your wire points got to like twenty four, um, it increased the chances of all of your shamans' heads just exploding. Yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, the thing I'm not clear of: if you get to sixteen, you get plus one to hit, and if you get to twenty, you get plus one to wound. I don't know if that's just that that's there while you have that number of wire points. Not sure. Or you have to. Or, well, it surely it says. Oh, you I don't, don't know. know, I, you know I, I can. I've. Yeah. I've picked up what I can, and I'm only saying what I'm sure of. But I'm. I'm. You know, that I'm not sure of. So battalions are cheaper across the board, cheaper by significant amounts, apart from um, Iron Fist, which is the one I always use, where you get them from all the different you know things. And then you choose yep. a, a a boss out of that lot, and they get plus two wounds. They become kind of like a leader boss, and he can use mighty destroyer once per hero phase without using a command point. So you can see how you very quickly generate in large numbers of mighty destroyer uses if you play your cards right. You, you can end mm. up with quite a fast army, really. Um, yeah. So now um, going down onto the specific units. I'm going to start with the ones that I'm not. I effectively the more crusher. There's been a lot of refinement, so I don't know if you've ever seen the Iron Jaws book, but there's loads of oh, if the boss has this weapon and this weapon, then you've got that rule, and that weapon causes this rule. They've now just sort of gone. This is what you get. So, for example, with the more crusher, it used to be the fists and the tail. Now it's just the fists and the tail. And the tail was a useless yeah. thing. You get you get less damage, I think, um, but you get more attacks, and it's three plus three plus. Um, and as a result, when if you give the, that plus one damage that you had before, you have more attacks with the same damage as you used to. So you can end up building something that's really quite special. Um, mm-hmm. That's been quite a, a general change so i noticed that very much so in the blades of corn book where some of the complication because you had umpteen different types of weapons skull reapers come to mind so you used to be able to choose demon blades or this blade or that blade and this giant blade and all the rest now it's just blades yeah (laughs) um what i really 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 like is that before um there's a rule called strength of victory for for basically any war boss. Um, stupid things apply to it. Like if the more crusher killed the enemy, you didn't get strength from victory. What it is is if if a war boss kills somebody, a mega boss kills somebody. Um, it used to be a hero. If you killed a hero, you would get um, plus one strength and uh, no plus one attack and plus one wound. Now it doesn't matter if the more crusher kills it. It's if the model kills any unit mm. any unit they get plus one attack plus one wound so i cannot oh remember goodness. ever getting my mega boss strength from victory i cannot ever remember ever doing it now 
any unit it kills will make it harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. So you do not want to be throwing crappy units at a mega boss because they'll turn into some kind of in a gawkamore <laughs> running around like ripping things to pieces. Um, I would love to see that in a narrative campaign. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Oh my goodness! So that's that one. Um, I'm probably least excited about the changes for that. Really, what I am really excited about is that they've they've changed the Gore Grunters rule. For before the Gore Grunters got extra stuff. Uh, extra charge power if they charged outside of eight, which was ridiculous because their charge range was nine. So you'd end up like going, Oh, I don't want to go too close. And then you'd be making that really hard roll and you'd hardly ever get it. And so you just, it would wind me up. So I ended up going, just think I'll sod it. I'm just going to, you know, make a charge more, you know, more likely to happen and deal with not having the extra attacks or the extra damage. Now it's, um, any distance. At all, if they've charged, and they they get a bonus. Um, I don't think it's quite as good though. Um, but you get the impact charge of, on a four plus, you cause a mortal wound, so it's it's pretty cool. What I really like is before you never took the spears because they were pointless. You just lost an attack. Now, yeah. if you charge and you have a spear, you get plus one to hit and plus one to wound on the charge. So the the gore grunters with spears get ready to see them because they will absolutely pound you on a charge, um, which is what these they should they do should because do because they're massive. Yeah, they absolutely should do. Um, brutes, oh. brutes have gotten cheaper. Gore grunters have gone up by twenty points for that. I think that's probably worth it to be honest. Brutes have gone down from one seventy to one forty. Um, They've tidied up the weapons combinations, like with the other things that we were talking about. So that's going to be a lot faster to play the unit. They've lost the re-roll of ones of the mega bosses near, nearby, but they get plus one. Um, sorry. Yeah, they've lost the re-rolls of ones of the mega bosses nearby. The other thing is they, they used to get a re-roll if a miss against a unit with a four plus wound. Mm-hmm. They now just get plus one to hit. Right, okay. Which is a bit worse, but um, I think largely overall this probably pans out. You're going to get more for them for your points now. Hmm. I wonder if that's a- another move to sort of create generic approaches, because the Stormcast Liberators have something similar. Do they? they get plus one to hit against, although I think it's units with five wounds or more. It's called Slay the Tyrants. Yeah. But... So, um, last one, but is my absolute favourite, Ard Boys. Ard Boys have gone up in points. You, you love Ard Boys, oh, yeah. I, and I want it, I want it on record that I loved Ard Boys before Ard Boys were cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bumper sticker waiting oh, I know, to happen, right? that is. They've gone up in points from 140 to 180. Yeah. You can now take them in units of five rather than ten, though. They have tidied it up. So before you used to have um, two attacks with the big double-handed weapon, but it caused a rend, um, or three attacks with the two weapons, um, but it didn't cause a rend. So you'd mix them up in your unit. 
Or you could take shields and you lost an attack, but you got a six plus sort of mortal wound save, you know, like discarded a wound. Now you can have the whole lot. So there's, you don't need to work out what the model is equipped with. They've got a flat stat line where they've got less attacks. So rather than three, it's two, but they are hitting on threes rather than fours and they all do minus one rend. And what do they wound on? Uh, three plus. <laughs> okay. Uh, three plus, three plus, minus one rend. They've still got the four plus saving throw and they've still got two wounds. Um, now every five models can have two shields and you can allocate wounds to those shield carriers. Um, and they get that six plus kind of, um, discard, discard a wound stuff. So, um, Lots. Of, I think overall, my overall impression of the Iron Jaws is that they are um, the rule set is deeper. There's more fine grain in it. Um, they're not a one-trick pony anymore. Um, I haven't even gone into how the separate clans, because I haven't got those rules, might affect you know the army. Um, bone splitters. Just quickly, um, largely their rune, their number of attacks have gone up astronomically. So we're talking like from one to three on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more um, changes, or there's changes in the bonuses you get. So they would, before, for example, get a bonus of plus one attack if there was more than 20. I, I pulled that number out of my head because there's lots of different versions of it. But now that number has dropped to, say, 15. So you have mm-hmm. you, you need less of them to get the, the extra attack. There is one wound, there's one thing that's been taken off, and I'm a bit disappointed by, because it was one of my favourite rules in the Auric, in any Auric book, and it's now gone, um, is for the, uh, Savage Orc Moorboys. They had a ability called a Death Ride, where in your hero phrase, phase, you picked one model in the unit to attempt a Death Ride, pick an enemy monster within three, um, and roll a dice. On a roll of one, two, or three, the monster is unharmed, but on a roll of four or more, it suffered D3 mortal wounds. Um, the model that attempted the death ride is then slain unless the monster is killed. I really liked that. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. So uh, an auric jumping on top of a, of a monster and just pounding it. It's gone now, unfortunately, but they do get a bonus. Um, they do get a bonus to wo- to, to damage monsters that unit, but it's just not as cool. I don't think. Bit bit of a shame. <laughs> um, but overall, I'm well chuffed with that. I'm really really chuffed, and I can't wait to get my hands on the book. And if there's anything further in the book that I haven't that I'm excited about, I'll talk about it next time. But I think I've I think I've got quite a lot covered there. Maybe gone on a bit. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's great to hear you so excited by it. And I think it's cool that, particularly cool that our boys have got, um, uh, have become cool, as it were, because I know you're working on them as a batch right now. Um, I've just um, had to get all nice. the other shields out of the sprue to put them on because they're going to need like 24 shields. So that, it's yeah, gonna nice. it's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so that, no, that's great. I'm pleased. I'm really pleased. Um, be interesting. Uh, playing against them, and s- I think the, the hardest bit about playing an army um, when it gets a new 
a new book is 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 less about any kind of rules creep and more about not knowing what's going to happen when they hit you <laughs> or how quickly they're going to my feeling you. about that great war thing is it could be utter rubbish or it could be profoundly amazing <laughs> it has the potential to just win a game you know if you've managed to work it out so you get your wire in the second turn and then you happen to double turn and roll a couple of sixes it's it's all over <laughs> you're just going to grind through everything um mm. so you know i it, that kind of one trip pony thing's probably still there in a sense in some sense but i think now you've got that you've got a few more tricks up your sleeve people are going to be hesitating before they face an iron jaws army because they're not sure what what you're going to be doing what's going to happen that's good. Oh, I'm pleased. And it's nice because it is like that is 100% your thing in um, Age of Sigma. It is the Iron Jaws, so it's really great to see them. Um, really surprised, genuinely surprised they didn't get in the spells. Yeah, really no, yeah, surprised. I didn't say that. They didn't. They're, they're not even in the book. So it's not that they don't have models, they just don't have them. Yeah, so... Um, because I thought, you know, one of the things Games Workshop loves to do with Oryx is make really characterful things. Mm. Um, and the opportunity was massive. Or a so, piece of scenery. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Strange that. But there we are. Um, obviously viewed. But it's, I was going to say obviously viewed as more of a tidying up book. But the, um, you know, things like the, uh, oh, what were the? Crypt people. <laughs> the uh, the um, flesh courts. Flesh eater yeah. courts. Um, and the beastmen, you know, they got things. But then I guess the Auric range is massive, so maybe they just didn't feel they needed to add anything. I'm hoping that this is an interim uh, book, and in like a year or two's time, we're going to see more more normal Auric models, and the Great Wire is going to be different, and you know, you're going to have a proper re-release. But in the meantime, if this is just like an interim, I'm well happy with it. I think it's fab. Good. I haven't read the background bit yet. If that's rubbish, I'll be cross. <laughs> I want pictures and I want good stories. I will be cross. cross. I'll have a strip. <laughs> Consider yourselves threatened. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come up there and war. Oh my goodness. That could be terrifying, couldn't it? Excellent. Well, it's hard to follow that really, dude. Um, That's a very comprehensive... That's an a surprisingly comprehensive breakdown of something. Oh, you cheeky bugger. Well, no, I meant for the podcast in general, <laughs> not just for you. Um, you know, I was I was kind of... I was a bit concerned you might just strip off, paint yourself green and run around wielding, like, bones. <laughs> uh, what I haven't <laughs> said is having read the new War Scrolls, I'm pretty tempted to get some bone splitters, which is... Well, yeah, but I mean that was inevitable eventually because they're all part of the the collection, aren't they? So, alongside mm-hmm. the the Iron Jaws book, the Cities of Sigma book is also coming out. So, I was going to do a bit of a rundown on that. Um, I probably won't go into quite the detail that Ben has. Um, I I had toyed with the idea of getting Dan to come along again. Because he's very into it. But he's forsaken us and is off recording for another podcast somewhere in Australia. Um, so, up yours, Dan. 
<laughs> no, not at all. I'm chuffed for him. It's great because Dan's um, so keen on Wanderers and really got the knowledge on them. So that's good. Um, so, yeah, other than that, completely unprepared. Woohoo! Well, go on then. Give it a shot. Of course, I'm not unprepared. Of course, I'm not unprepared. I'm just keeping it all in. Um, so cities of Sigma. So what is it? So cities of Sigma. I didn't realize until I read about it, which is uh, as with anything that cities of Sigma. So there's seven cities represented in cities of Sigma. And what it's doing is it's a book that is taking all of the sort of, I say dispossessed and I don't mean the dwarves. I mean, dispossessed as in they are dispossessed models, um, ranges and amalgamate them. Um, and it's all based around Hammerhell. So Hammerhell. You have Hammerhell, for those that don't know, you've got Hammerhell Akshi and Hammerhell Gyron. And it's basically one massive city built by Sigmar and all of Sigmar's dudes. Um, and it centres around this huge realm gate, which goes between the realm of fire and the realm of life. Um, and city exists on both sides. Um, it's important to remember at this point, if you aren't aware or you're fairly new to Age of Sigmar that the Realm Gate Wars by now happened two to three hundred yeah. years before yeah. where we're now set. So so these cities are as a result of the Realm Gate Wars. You know, they, they have been built um on them. They usually are centered around a storm keep, which is much like if you if you like your Warhammer forty thousand, much like a chapter fortress, uh fortress monastery. Um and so it's garrisoned by Stormcast, but it's also garrisoned by massive armies of citizen militia. And it's interesting because Gotrek, um, I've just listened to the new Gotrek story. Um, absolutely fantastic. Really liked it. But he, without giving too much away, he is talking about the old world for a reason I don't want to say. But, he refer he says, you know, the armies that could be mustered by Hammerhell alone would be the equal or be enough to lay waste to swathes of the old world, you know, just from Hammerhell. Because he's talking about the scale of things um, and how flipping mad the mortal realm That's is. That's really awesome. So huge armies. That's just amazing. Yeah. There's some great stuff in there, only but honestly. Well, exactly, mm. exactly, and and you know, you you will never beat. Why is there a shark being ridden by bloody elves? <laughs> it's not, it's not a shark, Gotrek. It's an alapex. Looks like a bloody shark to me. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Um. So anyway, seven cities. Hammerhell is in the middle, and then there are three cities in Gairan and three cities in Akshi. Um, so the cities in Gairan, so that's that's the realm of life. Um, and interestingly as well, it's sort of advanced on. So if you did read any of the Realm Gate Wars, that was where so the Hallowed Knights went and they found Alariel, and she was quite cold towards Sigmar. Well, by this point, that alliance is sort of firmed up. 
And actually, so the living city is the first city in the in the Laura Alliance. And that's the one that Dan is obsessed Yeah, he's loving it. And, and well, because in many ways it's rebirthed Wood Elves um, for Dan. Because actually in, in the living city, there are Sylvaneth who fight alongside the 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 men and the, the but they also fight alongside the wanderers so the original background was that the wanderers had abandoned the sylvaneff in the war of chaos and were therefore shunned but alario has forgiven them and they have become repatriated so so really you have got the option to do your wood elf thing um there's also stormcast eternals living in there as well which ones uh, the gyron guard they're called. they're called the gyron guard um so i i don't know that i've heard of those but there we are um, so yeah, so that's the living city and it's built in honor of Alariel and that alliance built between them. Um, Dan's loving it. There's a lot of stuff in there that is very similar. So from a rules perspective, you can still pop on, um, certain things have disappeared, but some stuff's got, I mean, Eternal Guard have just taken a massive, but well, the nice thing about Eternal Guard is they've gone up in points hugely uh, by like 50 points but they've gone from being the throwaway unit which elves should never be a throwaway unit but they were to being a force to be reckoned with which is really awesome um shadow warriors fulfill a really good role uh along you know along the line i know dan is thinking of using his um Glager, blade guard yeah. i don't um, a shadow i'm not warriors. sure i like that idea because shadow warriors are quite close combaty but then if he's just looking for something to use his models as yeah but again the thing is though ultimately an elf is an elf is gonna be good at combat if they are trained in any martial skill so anyway whatever it is so i read out his tweet Um, tweet before we go on about the eternal guard this is from dan um Wanderer hype is real. Mortal wound shooting. Rend two wild riders. That sounds horrendous, by the way. Um, and potential yeah. two plus save eternal guard combo. It's like Christmas. So he's loving. Yeah, yeah he's very happy. Well, I'm, and it's great. It's great to hear him energized. Um, what I did like though is he did have a bit of a moment because Tom and I were discussing Tom doing a night haunt army. Oh yeah. And Dan was like, Dan was like. Wild Riders finally get Rend. Tom does an army that ignores Rend. Figures. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the Auric um, clans ignores the Ethereal Wall. Hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. So yeah, Living City is Dan's really really excited about the Grey Water Fastness. That's all your guns and the Iron Weld Arsenal. Um, the and artwork actually, of that place is insanely good. It's brilliant. Well, and the area around it, it was attacked and the, they fired off so many guns and stuff that it's like all the area around the city is like parched and dead because there's just fired <laughs> so much shot, which is just mental. Um, so that's good. And it does say that the Sylvaneth are a bit grumpy now because the glades are all um, polluted, uh, which I think is, is it. Is that in the um, is that in the realm of life then, is it? That is in the realm Oof. of life, yes. And there's so there's certain rules that match into this. Um, so, for example, I think if handgunners from um, the Grey Water Fastness get plus three to their um, 
range. Oh, I thought you were going to say plus example. three to hit or something. And I was like, no, plus three no, to no. range. Yeah, okay. That's cool. So this is one of my favourites, the Phoenician. So this realm well, had a massive battle in ages past. Um, and it, it was like a mighty city and it had this massive battle. And they used loads and loads of magic. And there was this giant tree in the middle. And the magic split this giant tree and all the sap came out and basically solidified in amber the whole city, much like um, Vesuvius and Pompeii, right? But then in the re- in the time of Sigma, when he comes back, the, um, the elves and all the phoenixes rock up, all the fireheart phoenix, and they fly over it, and their sort of magical fire made all of the amber turn into like a mist and unveiled all this like city that was like stopped in time. And um so they've re they've sort of rebuilt it. Re- but the whole place has just got this amber coloured mist everywhere. That's really um, cool. Yeah, very re- really mystical. Um and they have a storm keep and it the 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 Sigma uh the stormcasts that look after that place are called the Lions of Sigma. So oh, they've got yeah. awesome, haven't they? Um, and you've got like Phoenix Guard, the the old Phoenix Guard models. They are the main guys in the Phoenix Temple. Um, there, that's cool because they're nice models. Um, and it's nice to see them survive. Mm, not as nice as the White Lions or Swordsman of Hereth, but you know who am I? Yeah. Okay, let's just keep going. Right, so. Then we move into Akshi. So, the first one in Akshi is Anvilgard. Yeah. So, Anvilgard is, is a port. And in there, you've got all of the, like, the Dark Elf type things, or the Scourge Privateers. So, it's worth saying at this point, there are t- 30 potential battle line units in this book. Um, to give you an idea of how mixed it is. Many are unlocked by different generals. Yeah, good. Um, so the Cryptis, for example, which is the big crazy monster thing that's made out of a Hydra kit, um, that's from um, that that features heavily in Anvil Guard. Um, important to say as well that you have to choose one of these cities to unlock the rules. Is there a, like um, a build your own city kind of thing? Uh, not that I'm aware of. That's no. a bit of a shame, really. Um, yeah, but but I mean, I suppose ultimately you can say they're from X place, but it follows all the rules. Yeah, of and my feeling is with X. this is it's, it's again it's another bridging book in a sense. It's going to take us on to, yeah. to something yeah. like better in a couple of years. So the foundation yeah. for it sounds great. Yeah. So then you have Hallow Heart as well over there, which is built. Inside a massive column of basalt, which is quite interesting. Um, and the Hallowed Knights chill out over there. I love the Hallowed Knights. So is that going to be I your city of Sigma? Knights. No. Wait, wait. I've got, I've got one. Yeah, I know what I want. To do. <laughs> um, Alongside all the other stuff then, you want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Tempest's Eye, right? Is this so the one? Tempest's Eye is. Um, no, no, that's not the one either. Mm. It might. That might be my one. The other one. Actually, I I kind of like the idea of Hammerhal. 
I think Hammerhal is such a cool idea. Tempest's Eye is great because it's like a, it's built right at the top of mountains. So this is where you find the Tempest Lords, Stormhost are there. Loads of Caradron Overlord are there. Um, lots and lots of airships. Loads of goods. Loads of trading um, going on there. So that's the last one. Uh, and there's a romantic cable car, cable carriage apparently that goes up the side of the Titan Sphere Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> as you do so my concept what i would love to do is a really i i wanted to do take the hallowed knights and mix them in with the devoted of sigma so because they are the ones that add, the more they die the more they glow with like an yeah, inner yeah, power yeah, yeah, yeah. and i love the idea of just like hordes of flagellants who follow them around like obsessed with them and then you know the um the war altar with the big griffin on and priests i just oh, i just think it would the be war altar is not available anymore yes it is the griffin one is not available anymore i think it is because isn't it made out of the same kit as the celestial hurricane oh i'm gonna get my, my phone out my phone is out because i thought it had gone because i got a bit upset about it well i see i remembered you getting upset about it and then I thought, well, that's a bit odd, because I thought it was made from the same kit. I might be wrong, of course. It might be that there was... Oh, no, it probably wasn't, actually, was it, Vin? It's probably the same kit with, like, a, with like a, a, a different sprue in it. Well, if you're right, at least it does avoid me having to do another army. Yeah. So far, I haven't seen it while I'm scrolling through the Cities of Sigma section. Oh, no. Devastating. Oh, well. Well, that saves me some money, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I can't believe how many Dark Elf units managed to survive the cull. Oh, don't start again. I'll start whenever I want, sir. Yeah, so there's the Luminarch of Heesh. Yeah. And the Celestial Huracanum are made out of the same kit. Um, yeah. But, but the other one is no, not on here. I oh. think he has gone the way of the Dodo. Which oh, is a shame, because I like him. Oh, never you mind. Never mind. Don't matter. Plenty to else to do. So, um, yeah. Obviously, I've gone more with a background focus because what well, I've been read, I've read more of the background stuff because I've had Dan going in my ear about all about the, the stuff rules, that's going to yeah. happen for the living city, essentially. Um, but it is it is a massive melting pot of stuff, really. Um. The interestingly, the sort of rules are based on which city you are yeah. from, the core sort of allegiance rules, and your battalions are also city based. Oh, really? That's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, they can all be fielded alongside Stormcast, yeah. but as I understand it, the Stormcast gain the keyword of the city, so they they wouldn't necessarily have access to all the Stormcast stuff in in a matched play scenario okay like like the stormcast allegiance yeah, abilities yeah. um well obviously you could just still take them as allies i assume yeah, yeah. um and then you know do it that way um so battle line as i said already 30 different battle lines hydras cryptis steam tanks as a battle line yeah, if you've got the right type of oh general. Oh my giddy out, that would be insanely good. 
Yeah, it'd be amazing to see, wouldn't it? Like an armoured company. <laughs> oh, that would be mint. <laughs> In so shiny funny. black armour as well. Oh, yeah. It'd be sweet, wouldn't they? Uh, Wildwood Rangers, the Sisters of Avalon, which are like the the shooty magical shooty women. Um, Sisters of the Thorn, um, Shadow Warriors, the Scourge Privateer, like the, the chariot, basically, the Dark Elf chariot type thing. Um, it's, it's called something else, but I, I can't remember. Well, the chariot actually is there, but there's the other one as well. Um, Phoenix Guard, Iron Drakes, Hammerers, Pistoliers, the other type of Pistoliers, the Outriders, that's it. Great Swords, Flagellants, Executioners, Cold One Knights. This one I like, Demigriffs. I think that could be good fun. Demigriffs. Oh, yeah, it could. Lots of them. And a, and a Griffin, guy on a Griffin, loads of Demigriffs. That would be very Sigmar, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. That very, would be very wicked. Sigmar. Um, that would be cool if you could get hold of one of those war altars to put in mm. as well, because that would really fit the theme. Um, Dark Riders, Corsairs, Longbeards. Now, I have to mention long Longbeards have a rule where basically they, they can grumble each turn, right? And you can pick a different thing to grumble about. My favourite one by far is... If they grumble about endless spells, then it could automatically dispel an endless spell which is in play within a certain range. No of way! <laughs> that is insanely yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Serious. It's that is brilliant. amazing. I love it. I love that basically Games Watch by using the dwarves to uh, represent all the old like players of fantasy Long beards, that, yeah. or people that yeah. grumble about anything. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I like that. Um, iron, what were the, what were the dwarves called that used to guard the, um, Karak Ankor, the, the underway? Oh, uh, not the hammerers. Uh, iron no, something. No, no, I, I, iron somethings, weren't they? That's terrible. Oh well. Handgunners, um, halberdiers, crossbowmen, eternal guard, dark spears, well, basically the three dark elves. So dark spears, the crossbow ones, and the sword iron breakers. Sword ones. Iron breakers. That's the one. So yeah, massive, massive long list. Um, real opportunity to theme your army in a really solid way. Oh, endless spells always count as being cast in the realm that they're from, as well in this army. So um, it doesn't matter which one you do. It's always the uber level because. Because it, it really is kind of paying homage to the fact that wizards for the empire, as were human wizards, whatever, were were quite were like supposed to be the masters of the generic. Yeah. Um, which I quite like. Um, yeah. So, say more of a backgroundy overview than a, than a rulesy one, but I think to be honest. I don't know, actually, I say that, but there is going to be lots of options and play styles. So if you are into different play styles, um, I think this would be a great army. But I also think it's really going to be up your street if you like the idea of background. And I, I think if you were into Cities of Sigma, if that became your thing, you could you could stay there forever and end up finding a play style. 
and changing play styles and mixing it up and, you know, endlessly creating hassle for your opponents because they'd never know really what build, build of Sigma you could bring out. So, yeah, I I think it's really exciting. Hmm. Yeah, and, I, and it does present some great opportunities. I think what's quite cool is that by setting it, because you so by setting it with Hammerhow in its heart and then three cities either side, you know, they've explored a part of what it means to be a standard human elf Duardin in just two of the realms. What so what they've not explored is really exciting because when in the future they decide actually we'd like to visit the um what it is like to be an elf, Duardin, what have you, what that army looks like in Camon or Chamon, as it's also known. Um uh, so the realm of metal or Gur. They that is an open book, you know, they can do what they want. And and I I think that's really exciting. Yeah, agree. So yeah. yeah agree. So yeah, um there's a book called Cities of Sigma. We've um that is a monstrous mortal realm it segment is. there. It's good though because there's loads of really exciting stuff. We haven't even got onto the fact that I bought Beast Grave, and the models are stunning. And there's new Warcry models out today. And there's new Warcry models that've been announced, including a massive like Cyclopean troll dude, troll with the best hair you've ever seen. Yep, it's amazing. So, you throw rocks we'll leave. At we've got to leave something for next time. So let's leave something for next time. Yeah. And uh, head on into the community. I think that is probably a good. Hail to our glorious community. We hope you are well, Ben. Shout outs. That's where we always start. I know you've been keeping a list in a I have incredibly organised way of doing things. My goodness, I know, right? It, it is pretty remarkable. It is uh, shocking. Um, so go for it, my friend. Yep. Yeah, okay. Lovely. Um, so the first one is a chap on Twitter called Crimson Hive Builder, a Hive Gilder. Sorry, um, this dude has uh, created a really fantastic. Uh, Necromunda board called, well, he, he says it's a depot, like, um, like a Munitorum depot. And he's been, he's mm-hmm. been using his 3D printer to do it. Um, it really is a little hobby achievement because there's so much depth and scale and nooks and crannies to it. It's just a great board. Um, and it's caught my eye this week because I've been, I've been kind of wanting to do, scratch built scenery after watching black magic uh, craft um so i've been like looking at it and thinking or i'm i really need to get through and start building a bunch of scenery even if it's just the stuff i've got that's pre-built but um i really like the idea of um scratch building stuff it you know so i i've been working trying to work out a way to fit that into my hobby schedule as it were um but this guy i think it's a great hobby achievement it's it's a fantastic board, and it's got a nice, nice selection of colours as well. Looks really nice, doesn't it? 
Yeah, really it's, nice. It's um, good fun to play. Coerced me even more to into getting a um, printer, three D printer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so next on the list is um, but over to Instagram, um, and this is a workshop called High Eye Workshop. Now, um, it's it's a bit of a scenery episode. This one, um, this this guy's work is uh, just so realistic. It's when I first saw it, I thought someone had taken a photograph out on a walk. Um, mm. and then of course, you know, you scroll through the profile and it's not, um, and the, uh, YouTube account that he runs as well, um, is equally as amazing, basically. And they're really good at going through the tutorials of how to build stuff. It's hyper realistic. Hyper realistic isn't for everyone. We're war gamers. So, um, hyper realistic often gets sort of left to diorama basis, that kind of stuff. Um, I think actually, if you've put the effort to make a hyper realistic battlefield, you, you might end up being a bit precious of it to play war games on it, which yeah. which is um, a bit of a shame. But I have often thought about doing a hyper realistic Lord of the Rings board and like an Ammon Hen board without it being Ammon yeah. Hen. So having like, you, you know what I mean? So it's that kind of area with waterfalls and that. For, to do an ambush, I, I've always quite fancied doing that, um, and do that on like a, you know, maybe maybe a three by three, so a little skirmish board that was in twenty eight mil scale to to play, and then you could play Saga on it. You could play, but at the same time, it. I think if you went any more than skirmish and you had lots of models, you could end up being a bit precious with it. Um, yeah, definitely. And you've got to have somewhere to store it safely as well, where it's not just going to get really dusty. And- yeah. Such like, yeah, but it does look good. It does, it does. Um, any thoughts that anyone has on and sort of integrating hyper realistic scenery into wargaming scenery? You know, anyone has opinions on it, or if anyone's even tried it, we'd love to hear about it because, um, it is something we've we've spoke about on and off a little bit, but um, it's been rekindled with the high eye work, high eye workshops account. Uh, and finally, last on my shout-outs is um, a a chap called Anfir Anf- <laughs> I'm no good at Anfirus Anfirus A N P H I A R U S on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I got the one last week, so completely and utterly. You know, I was trying to say promenusive. It was prominus yeah. four. <laughs> it was Roman numerals. What a moron. Anyway, <laughs> this dude has done a <laughs> conversion of Lehman Russ carrying the spear of Russ rather than yeah. his, his axe and a sword. And I flipping love it. Like, absolutely oh. brilliant. All I can see when I see that model, all I can hear, is the story where, if anyone has read the Space Wars books, they will know that Ragnar gets basically kicked out of the chapter and sent off on like a naughty boy mission um, because he throws the Spear of Rus um, through a portal um, at what he thinks is uh, Magnus. It is Magnus, and 
they basically put him through the trials of Moki, uh, Morkai again uh, to try and work out whether he'd thrown the spear to Magnus um, to hand over one of the Space Wolves' greatest artifacts um, and whether he was actually an agent of chaos. Um, fast forward a couple of books and he is in contact with the 13th Company and um, there's some great moments in that book. It's fantastic. But he's telling them all about this Spear of Russ and what had happened. And the uh, the Rune Priest is like, oh, that old thing. Russ hated that. He got so drunk one night, he went out into the into the outside the tent and threw it as far as he could because he was fed up of looking at it. <laughs> I just absolutely love that. Um, so every time I've looked at that model, that, that little story has come into my head, which it, it just fills me with joy. So... Um, yeah, and it's a very seamlessly good conversion. It's 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 just perfectly done. So it looks as if it's a you know it's good enough that if you caught it off of someone's account, you'd think it was a Forge World sort of the next sculpt for Lehman Russ or an yeah. alternate sculpt that they were working on an upgrade kit or something. It's that well executed, and I can't wait to see it painted. So that dude is my three shout outs for the day: uh, Crimson Hive Gilder, um, High Eye Workshop. Um, and the name that I crucified twice and will crucify for the first third time, Amphiaris. Cool. Um, so, as ever, it falls to me to chat about our hobby group. Uh, again, as always, very grateful for the amount of energy and effort. Lots of cool posts in there. If I've not responded in some way, I'm sorry, I'm getting there. I just... You, there's so much awesome stuff, and I like to take the time to have a proper look uh, and respond properly, rather than just go down and like everything and then not um, and not not say anything. Because I really appreciate you put the time and effort yeah. in, um, and thank you very much to those of you who take the time and effort to respond to other people's posts. Because you know people put themselves out there, put stuff up, and uh, I always think it's always a bit of a shame when you see posts in, in any group. Um, with no responses, um, so thank you to those that, that take the time to do I, that. I, really I think that's a general a general thing that I think people should genuinely try and do. Um, it's all well and good liking something, walking through and hearting and liking and ticking, but if you really like something, then make a comment, say something positive. It makes someone's day, you know, and it's a, it's a little bit of effort, and I think it just builds a better community. Uh, yeah, and and. Um... And we don't we don't see this in the uh, in our in in our hobby group really at all. But what you see so often is people will take the time to write something negative, but but not the time to write something positive, which is a shame. It is a real shame. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, but thank you for those that do respond. So uh, to start with, I'm going to also try and butcher a name. So I'm very so sorry, but uh, it, I think it's Pele Menbok, and it's his. Um, Scragrot the Loon King. Oh, it's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say I tagged you when I saw it because I just knew you'd love it's, it. And it's so vibrant and colourful and it's just fantastic. Isn't it really it? is. And the base. Yeah. The, he's got those two like um, carnivorous plants that put me in mind of the ones from Mario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. It really is good. If you've not seen it on the group uh, and you're you're in the group or if you're not, um, get in the group and come and have a look at it because it, it's brilliant and I, it just screams Moon Clan Grots to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really think it's fantastic. Really, really nice. 
Um, so well done for that, buddy. Um, then something that I think you're very excited about, Mr. Hall, uh, judging by the, the comments, is uh, Henry Steele has put up oh, a battle yes. tech. Yes. So <laughs> I thought you might want to talk about your general excitement when you saw that. Oh, place. man. That scale. Why Why has no one built them in that scale before? They look fantastic. <laughs> so good. Uh, so they're 3D printed. They're them, they? 3D printed battle mechs. So they're the same um, ones that you get in the new starters kit or what you know, whatever they want to call that. There's, um, I don't know the names of them, but um, they're the, the th- three of the ones that you get from there, and they've 3D printed them, and they are about 28 mil scale, so they look completely right on a 40k table, and they are just wonderful. They look like they're proper products as well. Yeah, they do look great. I, so, so Henry is part of the Cult of Paint, um, and so they were over. In, was it in? Was it in America? Were they in the states? Not sure. I think when they um, came up with that mad plan to create those, um, so lots of lots of three D printing later. Sorry, guys, you'll be able to hear the mouse rolling as I go to find out. Um, yeah, was in the states recently, so. Um, yeah, brilliant. Really cool stuff. And as you heard, Ben, very excited. So excited. <laughs> it's fantastic. Get, well, if you get the new house, mate, you'll have room for a nice 3D printer set up, won't you? Oh, yeah, it will. That'll be ace. So, um, lastly, though, something that is very, very dear to my heart and, and I've seen in the group, which I think is excellent. <clears throat> John Hammett, what a cracking cake. Have you seen his cake? He's done? Yeah. That is so good. Airbrushed um, it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah, because he and he he airbrushed it, which meant it got into the hobby group, and I think it's brilliant. Um, the only problem with it is that it's not in my belly. Well, I was um, just saying, I lived close enough to John that he could have posted it. It would have I'm sure it would have turned out fine. Can't imagine what. Yeah, I work for the postal service, dude. I'm not sure. <laughs> Certainly not if it came past. Not if it came anywhere near me. <laughs> Which would be uh, interesting if it went all the way up to Bristol to come back down to you, but not um, not a surprise, I would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, those are the shouts for the hobby group. As ever, please do get involved. The competition um, for this month, which is uh, Wings of War, um, is... We Had a few. Will have closed, actually, won't it, by the time that guys have listened yeah, to this. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have closed, yeah. Um, so you'll have seen some update posts about that, and I'll have decided on next month's competition theme as well. Um, thank you to those of you that have, have entered into that. So, um, sort of next bit, really, is a couple of shout-outs um, for stores. So in our travels around the Southwest, we come across little gems. So... I've had the chance to visit a couple. So the first one um, is Inspire in Newquay. I don't know if you've been there. I haven't. I hadn't even heard of it. I will be making the effort to go down and have a look because I work just down road from Newquay. So yeah, well, it's it's not, so it's on the high street uh, at the top end um, near the pharmacy, and um, it's. It used to be more, I think, from what I gather, it used to be more of like a touristy shop, but they've started to go more towards um, comic books and collectibles and things. What was particularly unique is that they had a reasonable 
stock of Games Workshop products. I was quite impressed. They had the full, well, not I don't think it's the completely full paint range because that is an awful lot. But they had the full paint rack. Um, so a lot of paint. Um, couple of racks of products, but also a large selection of the collectibles from Half Moon Bay. So the oh, like cool. yeah. mugs and the bottle openers and the wallets and the boxes and all of that, which you you very rarely see um, yeah. in a shop for sale. Um, so maybe I should. Yeah, I was really then. impressed. Well, I said to Harriet that I I always say this though I have to buy something there to support them. <laughs> not not for me at yeah. all. Uh, so I picked up. Um, the latest copy of Battle Companies for Lord of the Rings. Um, and uh, I can't remember what else I picked up. That's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, picked up three Primaris Space Marines. Um, just because. Oh, and a note. And a note. The easy build because, ones. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just need. I, I need them for something. You know, just because. Um. Might need to test out some colour schemes for Ultra. Uh, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, oh yeah, notebook, a notebook from the Half Moon Bay stuff. So, um, really nice. Uh, oh, this is terrible. I think, I think her name was Erin. I think, terrible. I know, but anyway, good chat. Um, really nice shop. They're looking to expand that stuff. They had other bits and pieces in there as well um, that would probably float your boat if you're into Games Workshop things. So do do pop in and have a look. Um, and then up near me uh, yesterday, I visited Game Scene in Kingswood. So Game Scene are like a um, computer games store group that's set that's in Bristol, yeah. um, but. They haven't done it in all their stores, but the one in Kingswood now has a, a Games Workshop rack um, in there. So they've started to get products. So that's even closer to me again than any of the others. So Harriet was like, oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> so I can be I can be there within about 10 minutes. Um, Excellent. Easily. So that's good. Um, interesting, though. And, and this is something... I'll be interested to to speak to somebody in Games Workshop at trade about how they sort of advise people when they start out with products. They they obviously had some of the core product, and I, and I understand that, but they only had a tiny selection of paints. And I just think, like, I think that paints, you can't have them all because there there's loads of them, but they are a draw. I think I think from from a convenience perspective. Yeah, I agree. Um, but- and when I say a tiny selection, you talk. I'm talking less than twenty different ones, not like, which is hardly any at all. Well, I I I don't know exactly what is in it, but the Games Workshop do uh, basically do it in. I guess I don't know the wording, so I'm I might get details wrong, but they do it in templates. So they've got like their core template, as it were, um, and then they get like expansions onto that. And I'm pretty sure the core template is most of the paints. And you get discount on the product that you buy for the store if you if you stick to the templates. Um, hmm. In in a, I believe again I might be wrong because I'm not a, I'm not a trader. But as far as I can tell, talking to people, it works out reasonably well because at the end of the day, if you go to a company and say I'd like to stock your product, um, 
and they turn around and go, yeah, here's our core template, and our core template is made out of the stuff we sell the most, then that's kind of half your job done as a, as a stockist, isn't it? Rather than trying to work out what you want to have on your shop floor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is difficult. I think it is difficult because people often have quite specific needs. And, yeah, I and just, local preferences as well can play into it. Yeah. yeah, but the chap in there, Dave, was really quite interested in in it as a product he used to collect, um, but really into his computer games now. But he was quite interested in getting the word out there and what he could do to help people and support people, which I think was cool. I say, it might be different for others. I just, I guess... As an established hobbyist um, who knows that, you know, there's a load of places around Bristol where I can go and get my my product. The thing that would make me go there is convenience. Um, and I think that's something that we didn't talk about a great deal when we were talking about last time about uh, reasons for, for, for where you spend your money. Uh, so it would be convenience. However, because... They might not have your paint. They might not have my paint, which is the thing I'm going to want to purchase the most. On a whimsy, yeah. On a whimsy. I, I'm unlikely to visit. I'll visit because I think, oh, I should try and support them. But if I'm really after something, you... like a paint, I'm going to go somewhere that... I'm going to go up to the, the GW, yeah. which is that bit further away. But you know they've got to have your um, product. I'm exactly the same with um, with Antics in um, in Plymouth. To be honest, they they have the Vallejo range, but they don't have they have like five of them, and, and the rest of yeah. it's empty. So if I, if I was going to find a paint, I would never even consider going there. Um, no, and I and I think even it's difficult. It is difficult for shops to be fair because even more so now with everything so easily available online. If you're going to get in the car and travel to get something. It's because you really need it. Right I was going to say, when it comes to so, paints, I am so disorganised that I I cannot buy paints online because I can't predict what I'm. It's not like I have a stock of Agrax Earthshade, and I, if I go through my spare, I'm like, oh, I need to buy another one. I'll be like using the pot and be like, oh, I've run out of Agrax Earthshade. Joke, we're going to Truro. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> as bad as. To that. be honest, I um I use the app. I've said before, I use the app, and I keep a track of the colours that. I've got really low on, and then when I'm in Games Workshop, I get the app out and double check it and, and buy up the ones I want. Maybe um, you're preposterously organised and you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. And look, I know look at your hobby everyone. desk and look at my box of paints. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Interestingly, I've got nearly all the contrast range now. After um, saying you wouldn't. Yeah, so, but why not, eh? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess it's tough. To decide so if you are um local to kingswood do pop in have a look if there's something on the shelf you need you know i'm sure dave really appreciate the support i know they can get stuff in but that's i think that's a really difficult thing to sell now because so can anywhere um yeah, yeah. so yeah do 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 check that out if you're looking for something convenient and you know that hopefully the more people that shop there the more chance there'll be that that paint range will expand um, the consumables bit will expand and and then it will become even more of a... I mean, yeah, to be fair, it's quite cool if I just want a spray undercoat or something. Just whip up there. Uh, so yeah, so that's good. So the last thing really community-wise for us is to go into the events. Yep. Um, so I had a particular one 
Ben, before we go too far, that I wanted to shout out. So, really cool. I may, I might have mentioned it. I, I came across um, a chap called Duncan when I went to Big a few weeks ago, and he was running an Age of Sigmar event with sixteen people in it, and he was doing a cracking job. He, he generated some some cool dice and scenery markers, which he'd given to everybody that had come along. And he's working really hard to grow the Age of Sigmar scene, uh, event scene, which is excellent because actually, um, you know, when you when you can go to Curtain Games or across to Firestorm um, and find some big events going on, um, you know, 40, 50 plus people playing Age of Sigmar. <clears throat> and yet, unfortunately, in Bristol, for whatever reason, um the the events were only sort of sitting around the sort of 12 you know 10 12 people mark um so it's nice that duncan has uh has got involved with with jim and they're really pushing that now so he's doing a troubled doubles um event a 1k os doubles tournament uh on the 9th of november so that is well worth having a look at. I think the idea is that you turn up with an army and then you're randomly paired with people. Um, so if that's your bag, definitely go along. I know they're thinking of doing a 2,000 point event soon as well, um, which I think is a good idea. Be well received. I really like so, that yeah, doubles do idea. I, kn- I know it could give, I know it could generate anxiety in some people. I do appreciate that. But I think one of the reasons I like doing tournaments is to meet people and, and develop a new sort of friendship across the table because playing a game with people is fun. I enjoy doing it, um, especially if we're both there to have fun. Um, and actually being paired up with someone random and you've got to mash your forces together, um, you know, and try and make them work and then play a game. I reckon that could be a hoot. I really do. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit like speed dating for Age of Sigma. I think it's. Yeah, that, I think you, you and that might you might have said that to me actually. I think I've heard that term before. It's quite funny. Um, so, are you in a position to run through Curtain Games' events? Then? I am. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, if you'd like to go through those, we're just going to focus up to the, the sort of halfway through October, I think, um, and call out the ones in the future that are quite big and upcoming. So, um, they're running on Tuesday nights um, a Warhammer Forty K gaming night called Vigilus Defiant. Um, and that's going on until December. So if you're into 40k and fancy some regular 40k action, then um, that's pretty cool. Um, they have the September the 27th is today, which is I is no use to you guys listening on Wednesday or further on. So I missed those. But the weekend just before we've released this, they've had that excellent um, kind of uh, release weekend where you've got the throne of Eldraine. Friday pre-release, um, the Star Wars Legion Grand Assault Tournament, um, X-Wing Roads to the World Extended, and then on on the 29th, which is a Sunday, more of Thrones of Eldraine. So loads going on there. Um, so 5th of October, big one, Cortonian Carnage, which is a regular 40k um, tournament, and it's um, always good that. So if you're into 40k and you, you fancy getting involved... In a bigger, in a bigger, or in a tournament, then give them a call. There might be spaces. Uh, it's very possible that there isn't at this point. Um, 
Disco Vader. I always love this. Um, on the 10th of October, I still think that's a fantastic name. Um, and that is a, uh, 200 point squad build, um, for X-Wing tournament, um, FFG X-Wing. So Disco Vader. <laughs> I just think that's brilliant. I can just imagine Vader in a disco with his lightsaber accidentally chopping bits <laughs> off. Um, and then up and coming in the future, I'm really excited about this is a whopping, um, Sigma tournament on the 7th of December. Um, called First Blood. It is got a lot of places. They've booked out a hall, um, to try and expand their tournaments because frankly, they just, they did not have enough room to fit everyone in. Um, so they've just found more space. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I hope it does well. In the future, they're looking for it to do, um, multi system there. So having 40k done at the same time, um, which would, which would be excellent. Um, I think, um, so. Yep, that's that's curtain for the next couple of weeks. Good, good. So yeah, do check out the guys at Curtain. They're great, real friends of the show, um, and it's a pretty awesome little place they've got going up there. Well, I say little; it's expanding all the it time. It is, and there's lots of cubby holes and cool little games rooms and stuff. So it's it's a good fun. Um, and they've yeah, they so... uh, very kindly support our um, our. Uh... A painting competition every few months. Yep. And it's really awesome of them to do that. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and then, sort of lastly, and there's been a few things flying around. We spoke about it last time, but just a reminder um, you know, if you're looking for good hobby advice and chat, it's well worth checking out your local games workshop stores. Um, and I'm sure many of you have great friendly local gaming stores. Make sure you're spending your your hobby budget in there to keep those guys going um if you're looking for somewhere to play check out your your local games clubs um and uh, again friendly local game stores uh and uh and spend your hobby budget there and if you're looking just to save a fortune and have as many models as you can um then you know as we've said before simon over at svg is a good bet and um that's just uh svg hobby and games at hotmail.com? Don't know. Yeah. But the, it, all the link will be in the in the notes. And the link will be in the show notes, and we will, you know, you can always message us anyway. Um, so, yeah, lots of cool options. And don't forget we have our community page, guys, um, which we try and put all of these stuff up on. And Dan's going to put the new ones up on there. Aren't you, Dan? Aren't, aren't the new what? New, new uh, gaming shops, stockists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aren't yeah, you, Dan? Yeah. 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 On the yeah. on the map and on that, yeah, aren't you, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Right, cool. So, uh, with all of that in mind, thanks again. Awesome community stuff. Um, if you've got anything you want shouted out or talked about, please let us know. Uh, and with that, we shall go to Middle Earth. Hey, almighty listeners, and welcome to the Middle Earth with Hobbits. We're going to talk about Hobbits. We are. Aren't we, Dan? Yes, mate. Hobbity goodness. I've got my <laughs> book of Hobbity goodness. I have my book of Hobbity goodness. So um, those of you that listen have listened before will know that uh, 
every other episode, we like to visit Middle Earth, and at the moment the theme is the Shire. I am supposed to be whopping on with painting and playing with the forces from the uh, scouring of the Shire. That's going tremendously well, um, and I've done <laughs> almost nothing. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't explore the Shire. So this um, time round, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the lesser-known personalities are from the Shire. So one of the nice things about these books is they really get into the detail. And um, the lovely thing about Lord of the Rings uh, is is the detail. Um, so we wanted to talk, yeah, talk a little bit about the Hobbits. So um, I've got the book. Ben's got the book. Yo. Clearly, you have the four classic gentlemen that went off on the adventures um, and came back mounted upon ponies to uh, lay the smack down to Sharky. Um, but yep. alongside that, um, a number of other personalities. So um, Farmer Tolman Cotton kicks off the list. Um, yeah. So Farmer Cotton is referred to a little bit in the film, but only in so much as uh, he is Rosie Cotton, which is the, the apple of Sam's eye. Uh, it's her dad, um, and he's... In the books, he's a bit he's a bit of a, a bad, badass, really. He um, yeah. he's all up for rousing the Shire and sticking it to him, isn't he? He is, yeah, and he's. Uh, in, in, but it's important to to sort of I don't know people who listen to this may or may not be into Lord of the Rings, but we're hoping that they find it interesting enough to listen through. But if you don't know about hobbits, um. Hobbits like respectable people who don't make much noise, don't go on adventures, and keep the neighbourhood nice and quiet and normal. Um, but Farmer Cotton, um, when the place gets invaded, he isn't having any of it. <laughs> it's not having any of it at all. Um, and it, I think it's fantastic. What I can never remember, Dan, is he the farmer that uh, uh, Merry and Pippin nick all the vegetables from? No, that's Farmer Maggot. Farmer Maggot, yeah. So yeah, so Farmer Tolman Cotton is not Farmer Maggot. Yeah. So um, Forge World have done uh, a model, or there's been a model shown for him. Um, it's not out yet, I don't believe. Um, they've been gradually releasing the different personalities, um, Hobbit yeah. personalities, and I love it. Uh, I, they're so full of character, and actually, I must pick them up. I I picked up a, a couple here and there, but with yeah. the way. S- Sadly, the way that um, models seem to pop in and out of the ranges at the moment, uh, I don't yeah. want to leave it too long because uh, I could get disappointed. Yeah, so so at the, <laughs> look, they're temporary out of stock. Look, so saying two of them. Um, so yeah, uh, Miss Tolman Cotton's been seen uh, armed with a pitchfork, but um, he's not out yet. And uh, and and swiftly following him up is Rosie Cotton, um, love of Sam's life. And I love what I love about Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings strategy battle game. Ben is like these people are just included because they're in the story. You know, yeah. Rosie Cotton is unarmed in the game, completely unarmed. She can throw stones and she's resistant to magic, but she's in there because it's part of the story. And I love, yeah. That. So you can use her in the scenarios. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. of course, um, spoiler alert: Sam does end up marrying Rosie, and they have a whole bunch of children. Um, which is good to know. Um, now there's a happy ending. Woo! There is there is a happy happy ending. Um, 
The next chap is is the mayor, Will Whitfoot, mayor of Hobbiton. Now, he is out already. A stunning model with a little tiny top hat and a cane. Um, and his mayoral rosette on him as well. Um, I love him. And he basically marches up to Bag End with a view to talk to the chief and, you know, kind of say, well, hang on a minute, this is all getting a bit silly, um, and just gets arrested and thrown in the lock holes, as it were. But he, again, going back to your point, though, Ben, about Hobbit's not really, you know, wanting to fight or what have you, it's it's quite a big deal that he tried to do the right thing by the Hobbits as their mayor. Um, yeah, and he tried to hold them, hold them together, etc., etc. Et um, what I love as well is that the Hobbit's name for him is Flower Dumpling, <laughs> <laughs> not so, not flower as in the 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 flowers growing in the side, but flower as in like making a cake flower. So I think that's excellent. Um, so he's great, and, and as I say, there's a model for him already. Um, a really nice model as well, and yeah, I, 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 this isn't helping me not just sit there and buy up all of this. This was a silly idea. Who came up with this idea? Um, well, that would be you. Uh, that's right. So uh, Falco <laughs> Boffin comes up next, uh, uh, another minor hero. Um, he, uh, he is helps the the hobbits prepare to leave bag end um and he stays behind to keep up a good story because obviously when they're leaving the shire they're trying to leave they're not then basically don't want people thinking they're off with the ring and taking it to rivendell at the time um he's just setting up a story so um he ended up in the lock holes as well unfortunately um, again, another character that's unarmed. I forgot to say, actually, Will Whitford, his war gear is a walking cane. That's what he has to fight with. And again, it's just brilliant. I just love it. Holfoot Bracegirdle, the sheriff leader. So that's, he's temporarily out of stock. So you've got him as the sheriff leader, and then you've also got the sheriff, um, <coughs> deputy, I suppose, Robin Smallborough. And what I love about these guys is, there are only 12 sheriffs in the Shire and they mostly, they're not really there to keep the peace. They sort of just, they are on paper, but actually what they do is go around checking out all the local beer um, in the inns and stuff like that, um, which I like. But by the time that the travellers have come back, they've got a much more uh, sinister role, I suppose, of keeping people in line. Um, and several of them are more of your sort of sort that have, become the bullies just to avoid being bullied themselves. Um, yeah. And they have a good, a bit of a good talking to by uh, the four returning heroes um, and ultimately uh, end up making the right decision and getting on the right side. But um, again, both of those guys turn up in some scenarios. They're a little bit more biffy <coughs> being sheriffs. Um so they have hand and a half clubs um, and a better strength of the mighty three, um, <clears throat> which is which is excellent. Um, yeah, Robin Smallborough in particular is the guy that's known for going around and finding out 
where the best beer is brewed, um, which I think is fantastic. Um, moving on, Gaffer, Gaffer Gamgee. So this guy has my favourite rule, or the, it's at least named my favourite rule. <clears throat> Leave my flowers alone <laughs> is his rule, which I think is wonderful. And you have to put um, little flower markers on the <clears throat> on the table, um, only three of them. And then um, he can basically re-roll wound rolls of one when throwing a stone or making strikes against enemy models that are within four inches of a flower marker because he's so protective of his flowers. Now, <clears throat> I know this is a mental comparison. In 40k, you know, a, a glorious Space Marine Lieutenant, I think it is, lets you re-roll ones to wound by, like, being trained for hundreds of years and all the rest of it and spurring on his troops. Here, we've got a dude, he's just livid because you're trying to nick his flowers. <laughs> letting you do the same thing. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. So, um, <clears throat> Gaffer Gamgee, he's brilliant. He, uh, <laughs> when Frodo leaves and leaves Bag End to, um, Lofo and Labelia, Sackville Baggins, um, Gamgee is really angry at Frodo. And, um, when Frodo comes back, he ends up apologizing to the gaffer who, uh, who forgives him. Um, there's no mention of the fact that Frodo's gone across Middle Earth <coughs> through terrors unknown, unbound and destroyed the ring. It's just the, <laughs> it's just the fact that he, he ultimately gaffer's, uh, gaffer Gamgee's bagshot row got dug up. Um, and that's bad news, <laughs> you know, so, um, I like that. Um, Baldo Tolpenny. So he is... There is a model of him. Um, really good with throwing stones. Um, excuse me. Sorry. Um, and he's a master of traps. Yeah, though, master of traps, that guy as well. Um, his stone-throwing achievements at Buckleberry Games are legendary in the Shire. So, yep, he has a rule champion stone skipper. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. <coughs> Goodness, what a tickly throat tonight. Lotho Sackville Baggins. So he's the guy that becomes the chief. So he becomes obsessed with money and all the rest of it. And he is essentially Sharky's front for some time, but then meets a sticky end um, when he's no longer required. So... Um, yeah, he, he he actually Grima kills him with a knife, which isn't very nice, is it? But no. such is such is the way things go sometimes. Um for Lotho. But importantly, connected with Lotho, not actually in the Scouring of the Shire book, because I think she features in the um the main Lord of the Rings armies of the Lord of the Rings book is Lobelia. She is armed with an umbrella. Now that <laughs> is brilliant. Um, and they talk about her actually, because they're talking about um, people not standing up. But And nobody really likes her. But when she was going somewhere, the um, 
the ruffians, and you've got to bear in mind the ruffians are men-sized, and she's a hobbit, old hobbit lady, are trying to stop her. So she up and starts beating them up with her umbrella. Um, Excellent. I mean, ultimately it doesn't go well for her, and she gets to end up thrown in the lock holes as well, but it is still brilliant. <coughs> so there you go. A bit of a whistle-stop tour of the personalities of the Shire. And I think, again, what so many of them show as being a really cool thing about Lord of the Rings is the narrative. Um, yeah. And it is very heavily focused on the narrative. So it has surprised me when people have asked us directly. Um, they've been said they've been thinking of getting to Lord of the Rings, but they were worried it was too competitive. Which I was very surprised to hear. I think there is a strong competitive scene. Um, is it? Yeah. Um, but like like any of the games, it doesn't have to be that way. I think the only thing I would say is, and it's the same with all the games, really. If you are looking for narrative, you have to be prepared to put a lot of effort in. Um, I'm very lucky because I play once a week with Chris, and he loves writing narrative. Loves it. And he does a lot of that work on other game systems. But, like, with this scouring of the Shire I want to play, you know, you're talking about building the scenery, buying all the forces. It's a lot of work to really enjoy the narrative side of it. And that is something to bear in mind. But great fun. And if you are a collector, what a great opportunity to really collect towards the range. Yeah. It's nice to see that they're actually... um, I mean, I'd worried that for a long time, the Lord of the Rings range was disappearing into nothingness. And and now, actually, a lot of the models that had gone are starting to come back with new ones, Um, which is really cool because if you're a collector, obviously, you might want the originals, but the range is, is getting stronger and stronger. And now the fact that they're releasing models... For an area that we all thought was sort of done and dusted and was never going to get much love again, and they're bothering to release models of hobbits, it's fantastic. I think it's a really good sign of how much they intend to keep going with it. Absolutely. Me too. So, with that fairly brief visit to Middle-earth, but some interesting bits and bobs, I think that's starting to draw us to a close. Oh, Oh. Now, I am going to hand over to my wonderful assistant to tell you all about where you can find the two-piece because I have the weirdest tickly throat cough thing and I'm finding it really hard to keep talking, which is a bit of a shock. It is, considering you haven't shut up for about an hour. (coughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, as ever, you can find us um, on uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at the Two Peas podcast, um, if uh, we've actually had a couple of people say to us that uh, they don't use Facebook very often, and they would like to try and recreate the the hobby um, hobby forum on Twitter in the same way that uh, they do uh, on the on the podcast uh, on the um, Facebook set page. Uh, and to do that, they've suggested using a, a Twitter hashtag. Well, that's absolutely awesome. If you want to put the hashtag the Two Peas podcast. Um, then that will attach it all together, and um, and you know we can we can create a sort of Twitter hashtag forum. We're cool with that. We love creating communities, so 
that, that's that's awesome. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, which is um, just search the Two Piece Podcast um, because the the URL is gobbledygook until we've got enough followers for it not to be gobbledygook. And um, finally, you can get the inf- the uh, podcast on um, uh, Spotify now, which is worth giving us a shout out. Uh, giving that a shout out. So if you if you use Spotify, you'll be able to find that on there very shortly. Um, and thanks to the heads up guys um, for letting us know that it could be there and wasn't, and that it should. Uh, have I missed anything? Don't think so. Um, the only thing we always like to add right at the end is just a massive thank oh, you to our patrons. patrons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Legends. Yeah. Thank you. Basically. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, so, without any further ado, we'll draw together, draw to a close episode 49. Next one is episode 50, and Dan and I will be having a chat about what we can do to make that a little bit different, a little bit more awesome. But we're not going to let anything on until we do it. Mainly because that's a good reason to do nothing if we don't get organised. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, guys, um, have an awesome couple of weeks. Have a great time in the hobby. Uh, enjoy life and we look forward to hearing or seeing you in two weeks bye